Hey guys, before we get started, this episode of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast is brought to you by High Season Co., a social media agency with over a decade of marketing experience who are crafting the way brands are perceived online. These guys aren't just marketers, they're liquid enthusiasts, craft beer nerds, hip-hop heads, and Gary Vee disciples. So is your social media looking tired? Are you having trouble getting to your customers? High Season can make it happen. Check them out, highseasonco.com. That's highseasonco.com. Now let's drink some beers. Are you a brewhead? I'm a brewhead. Are you a brewhead? I'm a brewhead. Y'all a brewheads? Yeah, we brewheads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 149 of the Podcast. This afternoon, we're in sunny Toronto, Ontario. We're with Matt, head brewer here at Rorschach. Mate, Hello. thank you for having us, man. Thanks for coming. Great to meet you. Good to meet you. Great to be here. We're on the patio upstairs. Yes. Uh, this is wicked. Didn't even know it was here. We're surrounded by trees. There's grass, lights, and beer. <laughs> exactly. What more do you need? <laughs> Not much. There's a bit of a nice cooling, like... Is it because of the lake breeze? I think so, yeah. Yeah? Is yeah. it like, it's right there, right? Yeah, right yeah. It's like a five minute walk from here. Oh, sweet. So it's not like right behind the building. It's like... Uh, no, no. It's, it's about a five minute walk. You'll walk through oh. the park here and then you'll get right to Woodbine Beach and... Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Grab some beers, go to the beach. <laughs> Is that legal now? Uh, mm, no. I didn't say oh, didn't do it. it. <laughs> I said you could. I'm not, you could. That's not I'm how a, we... <laughs> I'm highlighting that. I thought they changed the laws or something because in Quebec you can do that with if you have food yeah. in a little park and I swear I read something that they were doing I think to, they were trying to, I'm not sure if it's officially legal yet but I think that's yeah. the plan to, to change it I'm, I'm not sure it's yet, so much easier who cares it's yeah it it's, yeah I mean it's legal now you can smoke everywhere so just <laughs> let people have a beer in the park exactly you think you know you think that there would be like there's so much greater dangers in this world <laughs> than someone drinking a beer at the beach you know but, kind of focusing yeah. on the wrong things right exactly yeah. so uh, we've got a bunch to talk about today we're going to start with something that's going to piss off the purists immediately we got a <laughs> lactose lager yes yes lactose lager here for it <laughs> Uh, tell us about this one, bro. Yeah. Um, so this is our systematic desensitization. Great name. Um, I've said it enough so it doesn't trip me <laughs> up all the time, um, but it's a hard one to pronounce. Um, this is basically an horchata-inspired lager uh, with lactose. We call it dessert lager. Okay. Um, so it's the style, basically an American light lager, 4.5%. Yep. Uh, we use a good amount of rice in this. We also add some wheat um, for a little bit of body, and we add a little bit of lactose sugar as well. And then we condition it on cinnamon sticks, vanilla beans, um, and uh, and yeah. So we, I find that you know this was kind of inspired by horchata, which is a Latin American rice milk drink, um, which people here. Um, I well, I wasn't familiar with it until I went down to California. But like, right. there's a lot of people who ask what horchata is, and they think it's actually a style of beer. <laughs> and I, you know, I hey, I it would, I would, I yeah, I would. You know, definitely make that you know mistake <laughs> if, if I didn't know what horchata was too. Right. But they're like, "What's an horchata?" Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like light, crisp, refreshing. But it's like full body up front, desserty up front, and then it finishes crisply. So you, it's kind of like people also ask a lot if it's you know sweet, and I'm like, it's kind of sweet, but not really. not really. It's a weird one. But All right, yeah. look forward to it. Cheers, bro. Ooh, cheers. Get it in here. It smells a bit spicy. Nice. Yeah, that is totally different. Um, also, side note: so the podcast started because I do reviews. You're supposed to take a picture of yourself with the beer, and I'll just review it as well. And I continue to do that. Yeah. So it's more fun when there's not oh, just yeah. me in it. <laughs> there we go. Legend. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is super interesting. I actually haven't had. I've heard of. Is Mexican specifically, right? And as opposed to Latin, or is it actually sort of like a... Um, I think it's... I mean, there's probably different variations of it throughout Latin America. It's usually from Mexico, but... Um, 
tradition. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I, I believe it is. But okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it was something that I had. Yeah, when I was in California, like I guess eight years ago, it was like around 2010. Um, my first time heading down that, heading down there and checking out some beer there. And um, I went to this burrito spot, and I had no idea what horchata was. It was just out of one of those pop machines. I was like, "This is cool." I left cinnamon. I try it, and I was like, "This is weird." You wouldn't think it would work in like hot weather, and it totally it does. does. Um, and there's actually like. Is it is that the one with condensed milk in it or something like that? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure multiple people do it, do it different so ways, cool. but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not like I'm, you're like, <laughs> expert on that. <laughs> uh, no, I, I've only had it a couple times, but uh, I'm not sure if it does have condensed milk. But I know um, it's it's like a it's a rice milk base, um, and then um, really yeah, slow. usually there's some like almonds character too. We didn't put any almonds in this because. People have nut allergies and that kind of stuff. Oh, it's hard yeah. to put. Happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess so. uh, also the like the um, either vegans or um, what they call lactose intolerant folks as well. Yeah, that's the one main. I know we're proponents for lactose here, but uh, yeah, you know, I guess they can skip over this one or take a lactate. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I guess for lactose intolerant. Yeah, but, but yeah, if you're if you're allergic to milk too, that's, I guess allergic is different to yeah. intolerant, right? Because allergic will probably kill you. Intolerant, you're just gonna go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably not the most pleasant, <laughs> but there's only a touch of lactose in this one. It's why it yeah, doesn't come through. You know. you're right in, in that it's not very, it's not over the top sweet. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's super balanced. Initially, because it's always first beer of the day, it always like I always get the bitterness over the top. Yeah, I'm having a bit more. It's definitely not bitter. Yeah, not intentionally so, right? Yeah, it's like fifteen to twenty IBUs. We don't really look at IBUs much. I just kind of know it in the back end. Most of our hops that we add, especially for IPAs, all towards the end of the process. But you know, just for people to get a sense of how much bitter, how, how bitter something is. Right. Um, but yeah, that yeah, it's it's not it's not terribly bitter. I find like there's maybe a little bit of astringency that comes from the uh, cinnamon um, bark yep. a little bit, um, especially as it warms up more but I mean I still find it's very like it's like I said desserty up front and then finishes crispy so you can have another sip it's uh it's funny with this beer we um this was the first version we put out we've done multiple versions of this where it's like American light lager with lactose rice wheat um still usually vanilla almost all the time but then we'll put like a fruit in it or something like that right um, so we have actually on tap right now a pomegranate version um we've done a blueberry version guava strawberry probably a couple others that are right. like that but um every time i hear like especially the staff they're like okay well, you need to make the horchata one again and i right. just wanted to try you know try doing different things but at first it wasn't the most popular one um because nobody knew what it was <laughs> and then we had some like staff party and it was all i was drinking that night and then people were getting a little drunk and i was like giving it to people and like what the fuck is this like this is amazing <laughs> i was like this is the orchata you gotta try this try going, guys. and then since that it just flew so that's know. amazing yeah i love it um, so let's get into your beer history. Yeah. And we'll get into the brewery and then definitely want to touch on the names and stuff because that sure. is fascinating. So how did you personally get into beer? Uh, I started home brewing when I was in university. Myself and my uh, two partners here, uh, Mohan and Chris, we all studied chemical engineering together. Um, and, you know, I was kind of like broke cheap college students, <laughs> you know, who drink a lot of beer. Right. And did drink and still do. Um that you know we were like okay well how can we you know do like it started actually we had heard that there was a process engineering course that that taught brewing as like a a background for um 
for like the, the process engineering principles, but it was kind of like they would teach you how to brew. You would make your own beer in this course, right. um, but it was canceled like five or 10 years before we, we started, but we had heard about that. And that was the first spark in, in our heads that yeah. we could hmm. actually like make beer at home. Cause it's not something that, especially this was like 2008, 2009, like before pretty much any craft brewery apart from, I guess, Amsterdam or, or Mill yeah, Street. We're open in it. Toronto. Maybe and like, oh, actually based in Toronto? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. just like before the mainstream consciousness of, of beer on a craft scale was yeah. was um, you know, it was widespread. So, you know, we didn't think about being able to make our own beer um, until that was the spark and then you know, I found my I, I didn't even know, but I found in, in my grandmother's basement some equipment. My grandfather had actually used to make his own beer and wine, nice. and it was never something that I, I knew. So I found the equipment down there, and that's what we used to first start. That's we, we brewed in uh, my parents' garage, and and uh, the first beer that we ever did was a double IPA after like Pliny the Elder, nice. um, big I, you know big double IPA. Yeah. We're like, this is amazing. It tastes really good. The only time we ever followed a recipe. And after that, we're like, we had so much confidence. <laughs> we, we tried to like make our own recipes after that. And like the next 10 batches were fucking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, uh, uh, okay. All right. We got to go back to the drawing well, board on this one. as easy as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's like ballsy cop students. But you know what? Like, we're going to exactly. start a brewery after the first batch of beer. We were like, we're starting a brewery. Is it? We're killing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like looking back at it, it probably, even the first batch was mildly palatable but right. compared to you know what we had had in the past you know it, it was probably had you had Pliny at the time? no I hadn't no. to even have you had it since to compare it? I have yeah yeah. yeah but I mean I don't remember what that first batch tasted like yeah but, of course but uh, I, I hadn't had it but I'd heard about it so, I don't know how I like because we, we first we first started we were going to be like alright let's just make the cheapest beer we can make right. and then we're like well we're you know engineering students we can probably figure out how to do a good beer we were looking into it and like you know all the different styles and stuff that we could do and we're like okay well and then we saw i think somewhere on one of the magazines that were like this was the highest rated beer you know whatever so we're like and then we saw there was a clone for it we're like all right well, let's just try yeah, this crack. one let's just try to make the best beer on on the planet for our right. first time we're ever making beer that's smart <laughs> <laughs> hey you seem to have worked out yeah yeah that's <laughs> we're, amazing we're here now yeah. <laughs> anyways <laughs> Um, so you started doing that. You made a bunch of shitty batches. Yeah. Clearly they, they improved. Yeah. yeah. So we, uh, yeah, that was just us kind of like, like a second batch of beer that we did with some like banana porter that we just like crushed nice. up bananas to. And, and it, we didn't really, like we knew about microorganisms and like being sterile and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but you know, we didn't understand all the implications and I think, you know, that's the fun part of home brewing is learning, but. Uh, yeah, we just crushed up bananas to put it in, but clearly there was some bacteria on those bananas, right. <laughs> and it turned the turned the batch off, and and uh, we had a bunch of gushing bottles and exploding bottles, <laughs> and you know the whole the whole homebrew regular homebrew stuff that you, right. you go through and you learn when you're you when you're homebrewing. So yeah, no, it's that's the best way I think is to learn, make mistakes, and oh, you know, and then and then try things and and know what's good, try to see how you can how they did it and how you can do how you can take those elements to do your own thing and yeah. you know I, I think that's that's ultimately how we learn we n- none of us have any you know professional brewing background or 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 degree or anything like that just a chemical engineering background and some element of curiosity <laughs> that's sick though something about that that chemical engineering or some biochemist type of thing there's mm-hmm. a few other brewers that i've heard over the years doing this that it's like definitely a commonality like there's or some sort of like correlation sorry between that specific like field of study and brewing like yeah. it's sort of I don't know I guess there's like a deeper understanding like you said like what 
the, the actual chemical side of things and how it all relates to each other whereas maybe they don't teach you that level of depth even if you did take a brewing course or yeah even if you're home brewing it's because you could have applied what you're learning at school and actually doing to it like, all right well, if we do that to this like it's yeah. it's a very like interesting consistent thing exactly yeah no i i i do see that a lot as well yeah, and and you know i think for us it's all about like fundamental chemical process and how you apply that to get a certain outcome whether it's flavor or you know a certain process like you know we one of the courses that we took in, in, in chemical engineering it was our like final kind of thesis thing was like you had to build a processing plant and they give you a project you had to build a processing plant for okay. whatever it is but you know we were able to apply those kind of basics in designing the, the layout of the brew house for ourselves and right. you know we didn't go through designing the exact tanks but we, we had the dimensions and, and that kind of stuff that we were looking for and and, and so like that kind of helped us on, on the build out of the brewery side but even on just like understanding you know the, the brewing principles. There's a there's a great book I, by I think his name is George Fix. He's a, a PhD or something in, in brewing science. Um, and reading that was just like an extension of like a chemistry or, or you know textbook that we had looked at, just applied to you know brewing principles, and and it just makes things a lot easier. You know, if anything. I think that's probably why they had originally had a course like that in in engineering was because it makes things a little more relatable. I was one of my worst courses in in university was water right. chemistry. You know, that was a course. That kind of stuff. It wasn't water chemistry itself, but it was related to water chemistry. Right. It was like a, it was like an en- uh, environmental engineering course, but it was interesting. It was like um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot related to wa- water chemistry, hmm. um, and that was something that I just I didn't understand. Maybe you know you have five other courses that you do it you don't put as much focus on something whatever but when i was reading a book designed about brewing water chemistry i remembered all the shit that i didn't understand then and then i was able to apply i was oh this makes sense now this makes sense now that i understand this and if anything learning how to brew made me a better engineer in a certain way also Hmm. it's kind of like they they played off each other yeah yeah it's all like it's all principles i think of just chemistry biology you know thermodynamics that kind of stuff do you think then that I mean I guess you kind of answered it but I was thinking like do you think that because you did the course that made you a better brewer as well yeah absolutely specifically like would you have been able to I guess the question is more like would you be able to get to sort of the level you're at without having that background or it would have taken longer I think we're just taking longer I mean I I think like brewing is a mix of art and science as everyone says Um, you know there's I think the art part of it is more the, the tasting and understanding flavors part, okay. and then the the brewing side is, or the science side is is the actual brewing, right. like process principles that kind of stuff itself. Right. Um, so I, I you know I think as I think the engineering background helped in theory make me a better technical brewer, but it wouldn't if I were to work at a brewery and someone gave me a recipe and said execute this I mean in theory they would have their own way of doing things anyways but if like it was a black box they gave me a recipe and, and like they wanted you to, to do this yep. you know that's where the engineering background would have come in you would have been able to you know figure out ratios Maybe all little, that kind of stuff right, thermodynamics that kind of stuff but like if they, yeah. Yeah, yeah but if they were to say you know come up with a beer for me with this flavor profile the engineering like that had nothing to do with like understanding hops malts how to use those and what process to extract like 
Mm. You, I see. You know, and the flavors that come out of that, you know, like. Right. That, so that's like the chef pot. Like, yeah. That's where that side would come Exactly, out. yeah. So so I think that's, that's for me, like, that side of it came for me out of, um, I used to uh, do engineering sales uh, before we started this. And I used to travel across, mostly Canada, but across the States too, um, and visit a lot of breweries. And then that was like tasting their beer, seeing what I liked about that, trying mm-hmm. to figure out how they did it. And then seeing what flavor elements that that were in there, like reading the tasting notes. Oh, okay, well, this, it was this was citra hops. Okay, now I know how citra hops taste like. This mm. is this is Simcoe hops. Okay, now I know how they play together. You know, and, and then like trying it out, seeing how that works, and then you have a fundamental, basic understanding of how how these ingredients play with and how to extract the best flavors out of that. And then that's where you go and you're like, okay, how do I maximize this? You know, right. That's dope. So then, okay, so you were homebrewing and then you finished school and you got the job and it yeah. was still homebrewing was kind of just a yeah. fun thing with you and your friends? Yeah, it was just a fun thing for, for a long time. Like after the first batch, you're like, all right, I'm going to brewery. Yeah. And then after the second batch, you're like, fuck no. Nope, need some practice. <laughs> and then like four or five years later, I was taking it a lot more seriously. I was like brewing every weekend. Like I'd brew on the Saturday and I'd package one other beer on the Sunday. Right. And then I would like you know, go travel for work for five days, come back on like late Friday, like go to bed early, wake up early in the morning, brew another batch. So right. like I was starting to take it pretty seriously. Pretty serious passion. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was mm-hmm. mostly just for passion because, you know, like I, I had built a, a kegerator in, in my basement that had nine taps. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like filling it How out. How big was that? It was, uh, it was a big like 12 by like B is like five, like chest like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like it was like big, like that table. And sorry, did you say nine? Nine, 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 nine taps. Yeah, that's the biggest I've ever heard of in a home brew. Yeah, it was it was, it was elaborate. <laughs> I was I I mean maybe to you know my credit or detriment. I when I focus on something, I go a little too crazy. Yeah. Hey man, <laughs> um, why not? So you know, I was like just reading every book I could find on it, trying to try it. Like that was back in the days when there weren't like. 35 breweries in Toronto is there was like maybe five or six um, and then so I'd be going to the LCBO and be like these are all things I haven't tried I'm buying yeah. everything that I haven't tried now you try to do that you can't possibly try everything you, you no. know that, when I started the thing with the it was 365 days of beer yeah I didn't even know I was like there's not even 300 types of beer in the world so like this yeah. would be fun yeah and then I, exactly what we did go through that and then all of a sudden like now it's like so I just kept yeah. it going because it's, it's literally never ending exactly. I don't think you could ever no no. finish everything it's not unless not you're possible. drinking like 15 beers a day and, yeah and like and I'm already feeling the strain of what I'm doing like yeah. it's, it's rough so yeah. like that's cool that you were doing that so did it like did you I guess you realized it was serious because it became a real passion even though it was like hey let's make cheap beer but it like you probably noted a change when you were like yo I, I really want to make something of this yeah I mean it was it was both you know I, I feel like I've I've always had some elements of an entrepreneurial spirit and and it was kind of a combination of that being an underlying element um, for me and and then just like kind of seeing where the industry as it was going and then trying a lot of beer and then getting to the point where I was quite confident that the beer that that I was making was you know on the caliber of what I was buying right. um, you know and no. it, it, there's a lot of things and factors that that play into that for a commercial brewery versus a you know home brewery I could put you know $30 worth of $60 worth of hops in a, in, a, in a batch of beer that would not scale and you could not actually make any money selling that. <laughs> right. So like there's, there's elements of that, 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 you know, that homebrewers do have an advantage for, but still, you know, I was, you know, I, I was confident enough at that point that, you know, it was something that, and, and there weren't a ton of breweries. I mean, 
there was left field here on the east end when we were when we were looking here and that was pretty much it that was it radical road had opened up in the time that we were looking for a space i mean now there's i mean, muddy york was open but they're you know a little bit further, further yeah east, a little bit but, deeper east and that so, was it i guess then yeah in, so, this, in this east end yeah so it was it was kind of like us looking for when was this um so it was 13 14 the 2015 15 2015 i believe it was 2015 they i think they opened i think they opened early 2015 i think their location they 2013 is when they were contracting i I believe i I could be off by a year or so i don't recall we interviewed them i just can't remember the the details okay and then i think they just had their sixth anniversary so that would make sense there would be 2013 yeah if they're counting from that okay okay that makes sense so then and i guess you started next 2008 2009 this would have been a solid five six plus yeah hang on yeah it'll be six seven years 15 yeah six or seven years of brewing so you were like you'd research you'd yeah perfected recipes you built your ridiculous system yeah um you traveled and and tried beers and really understanding it soaking it up reading books now you're like all right guys and these are the same friends your partners here yeah so i didn't realize you were co-owner that's sick yeah um so you've got you you were the the brewer and you've got the same people that you were brewing with in college. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's yeah. even cooler. Man. Yeah, no, we uh, yeah we we've been, we've been great since friends since and we like we we met actually on the first day of, of school in chemical engineering, which was kind of funny and yeah, it was just uh, yeah it's we went to cool. Europe together drinking beer for a month uh, after we graduated. And, yeah, so yeah, we we yeah, stayed close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so basically, how how it kind of shook out was like I I started to get a lot more serious on on, on the beer side. Like we had always brewed together; they would come brew with me, but it was mostly but you were driving. Yeah, it, it was okay. it was mostly me that was kind of brewing at home and taking it like really seriously, and um, and so we I had been talking about it. That was kind of the plan, you know, for uh, like that was probably maybe early 2015. I was like looking at like. The like opportunity, the and, yeah. Right. No, just just looking at like numbers and seeing, like, okay, if I'm buying ingredients at this, selling it at this, potentially what rent would cost, potentially what all this would be, like, is it even like a profitable a model. business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To to be, and I mean, clearly it, it is to a certain degree, but I mean, it depends on you know Many traffic probably, yeah, and, yeah. and avenues of sale and all that kind of <clears> stuff. But I was just now looking at it in a preliminary way, and then you know, I was kind of talking about it with with Chris and Mohan and and. Um, and they were they were getting in like really interested in um, in it as well, and you know we, we got to the point where we're like, okay, is this something that we actually are going to try to do? Uh, and we were sitting at the old um, at at Queen and Broadview where uh, yeah, the, the new hotel is. Uh, yeah, on the uh, kitty corners of that yeah. is the uh, Brickworks Pub, which used to be an Irish oh, pub yeah. called Ancient Bin. Yeah, okay. Um, we were sitting there, and that was when we actually decided, like, okay, well, we're going to do this now. Right. Um, and we, that's when we started to look for places. Nice. Yeah. And did you have a connection to the East End? Is that why you were looking? Yeah. At? So, so Chris uh, was living at. He's he's got a condo at, at Queen and Broadview, just just oh, right sick. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we we used to spend a lot of time here on the East End as well. Um, I'm originally from the West End. Mohan's from north of the city um, right. as well. So we were kind of like, well, like all all well, from well, like all different. three areas. So it was like, yeah, what I don't makes know. The most sense. Yeah. So we yeah. were looking at. You know, there's a, there were at that point quite a few breweries on the west end, not so many breweries on the east end. No. Um, so we were like, okay, well, you know that that's something, and we just love the east end area. It wasn't like it just it just feels almost like a small town within like a big city kind I can of. See that. 
you know, like even like a location like this, you know, you wouldn't think, like you said at the beginning, that this is in in Toronto. You no, know? And, it doesn't feel like it at all. And just the people here are just so genuine and so down to earth. I think, and not saying anything about, you know, obviously, you know, being from the West End, you know, I mean, I love it out there too. But it's just like it, it was just it felt like home, fun. kind of. Yeah, yeah. Know? So yeah. And I guess when you got in, it was probably before because I know it started to. I know Toronto real estate is absurd in general, but. The, this was kind of like the area that was like the, the the hidden gem type of thing for some time. Yeah. Did you kind of get in before? I kind of know where the prices have already started to creep out here. Yeah, we. Uh, I I would I would say to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we were probably just on the crest of it a little bit, so it, yes. it wasn't it wasn't before. I wouldn't say it was before. Totally like, before. But but yeah, we're, we're just on the I think on the crest of it. So essentially, good. T- I guess what I mean is good it's timing. It's a fairly good timing. As there's an influx. Yeah. of new residents yeah. who would be looking for like you know that comes with a craft yeah, brewery exactly you know, the yeah. great cafes in this area yeah. we love those and the brunch spots and the restaurants and like the rooftops and all that bullshit yeah. like, all in this area yeah, uh, like, yeah. yeah right there yeah. now no no more yeah that's how we know it's actually one on that like say on Ossington when I, we like tips from here um, oh, yeah. I lived here first and we moved to Montreal yeah um, I lived at Ossington and Bloor right next to the station oh yeah and, um, and I le- we left in 2012 it was actually seven years ago today yeah. uh, funnily enough thanks and when we were there like Ossington was not a shithole but it was just not popping at exactly, all Bell was yeah. open three months before we left yeah um, and we checked that out well it's cool it's fine you know whatever nice it's in the area I was kind of like oh man there's a brewery right <laughs> near us and I'm leaving yeah and uh, Ossington was kind of chill and then I swear last time we were here like a month or so ago we went to park on Ossington yeah and it was like $4 an hour until midnight which is King Street Press it's yeah. the only place I'd yeah. seen I really feel like uh, really at least for us now in our heads we're correlating parking with kind of the way the area is moving <laughs> that's true it is it is i don't it know is if we're reaching yeah no i would i would say that that's, yeah, that's the case accurate. yeah yeah i mean we've seen so much development just even in the two well three it's been three years now since we started at this location doing construction right uh, but in those three years we've seen so much development like in this area yeah, and yeah. like condos going up like like nothing and not like obviously huge condos no, still still, still doesn't matter. but but like just you know, just so much development on, on the east and, and stuff happening. And yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, this this lot used used to be free. Uh, the, put it now, and I'm like, hey, look at that green pea. I'm like, <laughs> the garage next door used to put that all their cars in this lot um, just right. overnight and and all that when they were working on them. And uh, and yeah, when we like for the first I think year and a half or so, it was it was free parking here, and then they started changing to green pea, and we're like, uh. But every other lot in the area, like anything, you go further to the beach, it's all green pea too. So I think this was just the weird one that, for whatever reason, wasn't right. Green just got pea. away with it for a bit. But you know, we got lucky for a year and a half. Hey, I mean, there's decent street parking though. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the street parking's great. It's uh, you, it's, you can park for free anywhere except between four and six when it's rush, rush hour. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's pretty it's, good. Uh, yeah. Okay, so then you opened. So you started. You found the building. You opened in uh, 2016. Is that right? Or yes, it? it was. No, sorry, it was. It was. T- our soft opening was March 2017. We had our grand opening April 2017. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. cool. So it took yeah. a bit of time to sort of really yeah. fit it out. It took about six months. I mean, fortunately, like, I mean, I hear, I hear a lot oh, of horror stories. when did you stories. find the place? Uh, I, August I'm, 2016. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, I don't know why. Because we were talking 2015. I yeah. guess that's when you started. Yeah, when we started looking. And gotcha, then, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. And then August 2016, uh, we started working on the place. We, we had to pull out a, a bunch of... You know, walls and fireplaces and, and stuff like that because this used to be an old French restaurant called Le Papillon. Nice, Be- beautiful location. I mean, when we when we saw what they had what they had done like with the, with the place here, it was you know we we're like, 
damn, if we could put a brewery in this place, like, Perfect. just how much, you know, it's, like, it's such a beautiful, like, setup. Yeah. So, you know. Like you were talking about just before, the bar up here is like, I don't know if that, is it marble or granite or? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's marble. Some rock. It's marble. marble. Yeah, yeah, very marble. expensive rock. <laughs> yeah. That clearly is, yeah, you know, you don't want to mess with that. It's, it's no. really nice. Like, yeah. I don't even know how. That would have been such a headache to even get up here. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> Probably cranes or something. Yeah. People aren't carrying that stuff. No, nothing. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a lot that went into the build of this this place. This, uh, like, the front, of that, the front of the building used to be a farmhouse built in 1917. This is we're on top of what was a warehouse built in the 1970s. Right. Um, and then in 2008, the owner of the restaurant was the owner of the building, built it into to this, what, what we see here, but they had to make it earthquake. There's a whole bunch of issues they had with the city. They had to make it earthquake proof. There's a whole, there's an issue with like fire escape and fire access and stuff. Right. So they had to do these roll down doors and a whole bunch of stuff. And So they did yeah. all that before. Yeah, so nice. they did all that. So we were, you know, we were fortunate in, in, in finding a location that was built really, really well um, and could withstand the you know, brew. We had, to, we had to cut out some floor and, and pour, pour some concrete in order to reinforce the floor where the tanks are. But apart from that, we didn't really have to do too much uh, to this location. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we nice. got pretty lucky finding. And the zoning was right when, when, when we found this spot. I know, I know they're working a lot now uh, at City Council on, on easing the zoning regulations for breweries opening up here in, in the city, which I think is a good thing. Good. Um, but back in, in 2017, well, yeah, 2016, we got, we got approval before we signed the lease for this place just because we wanted to make sure that we actually could put a brewery here. Yeah, right. But yeah, it was early 2016 when we got zoning approval here. Um, but sometimes you have to go through like a committee of adjustments process and uh, I don't know if you will in the future when, when they use these regulations but in the past you had to do that right. um, if something was a commercial residential zone building so you know that was a whole thing that we were kind of looking to avoid because you're spending at least six months worth of rent just to know whether you can even open up a brewery in this location so yeah you know, it's not worth it yeah I mean it's just it's, it's such, a, such a burden and you know we even in the luck that we had in finding a properly zoned place that we didn't really have to do too much renovation to because oh, they would have had it, liquor already yeah, right? yeah. And, and it was already licensed and and it, we, it still took us like by the time it was like well August to March is like seven or eight months um, still and you know we've, we've seen breweries and you know that have taken years to open and you know it's because we, we, of these because of zoning regulations construction problems um, you know, you have to go through three levels of, of approvals from the government, federal excise, provincial, right. and then and then zoning for the city. So, you know, it's it, it, I, I understand at least you know so is a manufacturing you know operation in a sense, but you know, like a kitchen is in theory just as dangerous too in, in a way. Sure, you, know, you don't need fire, the, all that kind of stuff. You don't need so, as many. Uh, license oh, what's it called permits and stuff so yeah for exactly. all that stuff right yeah yeah because you know this was the thing that always that always kind of and I, and I think this is what they're realizing now and this is why they're they're easing the, the, the regulations right. at the city is that like you could make a 20 gallon batch of beer on a kitchen stove in a functioning licensed kitchen brewery that is essentially the same as making 20 gallons worth of soup that's true and understanding that alcohol involved is different and it's intoxicant and all that um, but in terms of like danger to as a manufacturing operation and potential for those risks, there's no difference than making a pot of soup than there is a batch of beer, be essentially. So great point, you know. So I think that's what they're understanding now, but they didn't understand when we were opening up a brewery, and especially 
didn't understand when you know the likes of you know Bellwoods and Indy were first opening up breweries. I think it was even harder for them. I'm sure. So. Right. Actually, sort of. I, I guess because it's still the city, they would have had to maybe deal with them and sort of get them to understand it and change some rules and yeah. stuff, and then hopefully that um, trickled down to everyone else who's opening. Yeah, and makes it slightly easier and easier. Yeah, yeah. I think I think now it, it will be. I mean, you know, the question is now that it's easier. Have we hit a certain saturation point with the amount of breweries? Like, how many breweries are are, are able to? To, to operate within a certain space you know if, yeah. if you're a small nano brewery then essentially it's the same as a restaurant so in theory there's no reason why every restaurant couldn't be a brewery but right. you know but if you're talking about brewing at a large scale it's a different game yeah. right yeah, yeah. Uh, should we go to the next one yeah absolutely okay. so this was uh, one of the ones I had when I came a year or so back this is Truth Serum mm-hmm. IPA this is Truth Serum this is our double dry hops IPA this was the nice. first IPA that we that we ever did. It's really good. Um, six and a half. Six and a half. What's uh, the um, great new uh, can label too? I really like this. Thanks. Yeah, we were trying to go with a little bit of a more kind of refined, dialed back element, relating kind of to the to the Rorschach and like the you know maybe fifties ish kind of like Art Deco kind of kind of aesthetic a little bit. And totally. And uh, yeah, we we've we've been working that way with, with trying to get more of our our core beers, dedicated labels. Um, but yeah, this beer, uh, a good amount of oats, a touch of golden naked oats, just for a little bit of like a, a more of a deeper maltiness, um, and then uh, citrus simcoe mosaic hops. Classic. So the uh, <laughs> the big three, I guess, of the new world. Um, you know, but but yeah, we this was a yeah. beer that is radically different from the first batch. I wouldn't say radically different, but quite quite a bit different from the first batch that we put out of it and and, and still like very familiar I would say too. Um, but yeah, we, we try to reduce the amount of bitterness as much as possible in this and just have as much hop character right. as possible. So it's intentionally like the New England kind of style. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like that did you was it like this sort of like hazy and sort of low, low bitterness when it when you first did it it was yeah I mean it, it first started on <clears throat> on our pilot system um, when we were first piloting it was the first kind of time it was it was around the time when just like from my travels in the states that I had first seen it wasn't even really a, they they were calling it New England or anything it was just like like the alchemist was doing heady topper and all that stuff right, and Vermont then stuff yeah and and like yeah they were calling it like Vermont IPA and all that like it wasn't it was it definitely wasn't something that had permeated um, here yet and I was doing it with a with a neutral ale yeast at first uh, on our pilot system before we had opened right um, and with a little bit more bitterness and then uh, I went down to the craft brewers conference in um, in Denver or Nashville it was three or four years ago now I was in Philly Oh right, um, yeah, and uh, and it was the first time I'd been to Tired Hands. Um, oh, just that last week. Oh, it's amazing! Out of control. They are one of my probably top three favorite breweries that I've ever been to. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Which one did you go to? The, uh, well, I because I, uh, there's the Fermentaria, which yeah. is the huge warehouse. Yeah, one, and then there's the Brew Pub, which yeah, is a small. The Brew, little, yeah, Brew Cafe, and brew cafe, I, th- I think they they've now opened a dispensary. Where's the Downtown. bottle shop? Oh, and, the like, um, or. General store, general store, yeah. Oh, yeah, and then the dispensary, yeah. And so you can still drink can pours in the bottle shop. 
which oh, is really? weird because they had all the cans there to go so I went in there to get the cans and then I saw like I was like oh, can I get singles just if I wanted to it's like nah you can drink them here though and I was like what the fuck and I saw like empty glasses I'm like oh my god because it had like <laughs> arcade games and bathrooms shop. yeah <laughs> and they got the the, um, the bottles from the the, what do you, the saisons the farmhouse yeah, stuff, yeah, and yeah. all the merch yeah and then they're coffee now as well. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's not a joke. Yeah, no, they, yeah, they, they really, yeah, they. I mean, an, an amazing, amazing, amazing beer, and and yeah, I remember like, like trying their beer too, and it really, it was one beer that kind of shifted my opinion on it. Like I had probably, I, I've never been a purist with with beer. I've, it's always been about the flavor for me. But you know, when we were opening up a brewery and seeing what what was kind of out there and what we were what we were trying to do, I, I was trying to maybe be a little bit more refined in a certain I mean these I feel like these are all refined and balanced but I mean in a different way not understanding that you could still be crazy and be balanced at the same time mm-hmm. in, in a sense um, so it was it was a beer that I had tried that they do I think once a year uh, for Cinco de Mayo called Taco Hands it's their oh it's based on Hop Hands yeah, yeah. They're, they're like taco version of Hop Hands okay. and they put like cilantro and hot pepper and like uh, Oh, I forget exactly what's in there shit. but a whole bunch of stuff in it and I saw it and I was like I guess I have mm. to try this because this looks crazy and I have to try this but I don't think I'm going to like it and I tried it and I was like this tastes like an IPA with like I think they put corn in it too or something like that kind of stuff and I was like I get all of those elements of the things that they added they're, they're present but it's still an IPA and right. it's still really balanced so it's like this really cool balanced thing that you know, maybe you can't have six of but I would have at least like a pint or two of it without right. being like overwhelmed this is overwhelmed yeah. yeah 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 and so that was the spark and that was the thing for me I think that, that changed my opinion on how that you, how you can still be very creative and different and have a balanced beer and that was part mm. of like something that was an inspiration of systematic sensitization the horchata that like you know that beer on paper sounds fucking crazy yeah and stupid um, but it doesn't taste over the top. No, it's not at all. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think that was that was the spark for me for that. And then and then that's when you know I I came back and I tried to understand how how they they made their beer in a certain way, what elements they were doing, you know, and 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 use that as a starting point. And then you know over the two years that we that we've had we've had this brewery open, still tweaked it quite quite a lot to to the point where you know we're adding. The vast, vast majority of, of hops that, that we that we add to this beer in dry hop, not even right. just late in the whirlpool, um, like no no bittering hop at all, um, just everything right right nice. at the like everything, all the hot side hops and a whirlpool, and then still the vast majority of hops in dry hop. Right, and and I find that it, it gives us a real yeah just a real nice balance IPA that's like the opposite of that hop war IPA West Coast time right. And that, and that comes from your personal taste, would you say, versus say like a, a, a trend, you know, wanting to be on a trend, which is what I'm gathering from everything yeah. you're saying is like you like these particular style, you've traveled, you've seen what you do and don't like, and you're like, I want to make stuff like that. Yeah. And that was kind of where that came from. Whoa, I didn't see the wasp in a bit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Usually they come out in, uh, in August and, you know, it's, it's probably away. Yeah. Piece but... of shit. <laughs> Worst insect. I agree. Um, they don't have a purpose. I don't think so. Or do they? I, I don't I feel like uh, uh, not the wasps. I don't think. Yeah, it's like wasps don't. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, that's dope because I feel like all the, the generally from what I'm seeing, the the brewers who sort of like excel the most are making stuff that they personally yeah. love. You're not like this is what the kids want to drink, so I'm doing it. Like yeah. it's like I want to make really great 
like hate ZIPAs that have no bitterness and blah 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 and yeah. you've been to a place like Tired Hands and after just being there like I get it yeah. like I knew I had I heard everything I don't think I'd, I tried a couple things before but yeah. being there I'm like go. Yeah. I went to all three places yeah. and I was like alright I, I, I see you see why it is so yeah so yeah I mean they invented yeah. the milkshake IPA with on the yeah. bottom as well so I was extra stoked to try that yeah from them directly just to see what you know if everyone else's interpretations yeah, are, are yeah. compared to how they conceived it initially yeah. I mean, most people are pretty good actually yeah considering yeah I would say I would say for me yeah that was it was one thing even when we were opening we still don't we still just call these beers like we say they are double dry hops so we say double dry hops and that's maybe alluding to the fact that they're New England that's style New England. but we don't yeah. but we don't specifically call them New England style I don't know maybe it's just something that we started out we just started out calling them IPA and that's what it was and yeah I, I just I'm not I don't like playing on a trend for the sake of doing a trend. One of the beers that we do here, it's called Reverie. Uh, we call it a Dreamsicle Double IPA. Nice. It's a triple dry hopped double IPA with lactose. Um, nice. And three times the amount of fruit that we would add into a normal beer. So it's just right. like super crazy over the top. We have the fruit punch variety on tap right now. Um, but that started off as, as a joke and not really a response to, it was just a joke. Like we've seen like the, the, the milkshake IPA trend and and not wanting to like jump on that for the sake of jumping on it and, and I I don't like calling beers that like or like using those certain names just in the sense of like because I've, I've had the tired hands version of it and I don't mm-hmm. want to like, like there's two options either you do it exactly the way that they did it and call it a milkshake IPA or you put like lactose in it and call it a milkshake IPA but it's not so like and that what you call an IPA with lactose or something? Yeah, and you can and you can call it that, and I think that's that's the honorable way to do it. Like you, you're you're giving someone the idea of what the beer is, right? But but then there's the the people who see a trend and then jump on it because it's a trend and then know it's going to die off essentially, and then they just capitalize on the trend for the sake of doing so. Right. But uh, we were just joking. We were having some beers at, at the bar after the shift, after our shift, and we were just joking like. Because someone was was getting on me about a milkshake IPA, and like either you have to brew a milkshake IPA or why won't you brew a milkshake IPA? And I was like, right. well, I mean, we use lactose in like the the hedonism and, and all that. Like you know, we use we do elements of of, of that. Um, but then I was like, okay, well, fine. I'm gonna brew the craziest like whatever you can think of: some triple dry hop, double IPA, lactose, sugar, mm-hmm. three times the amount of fruit. We're gonna call it Milkshack, <laughs> Milkshack <laughs> IPA, because <laughs> everyone yeah. jokes about Rorschach and they can't say Rorschach. And right. you know, uh, <laughs> we're gonna do the Milkshack IPA, and and like everyone had a laugh, and then like yeah, I was a little buzzed at that point. Like yeah, a couple like, weeks later, I was thinking about it, and I was like. Whatever, fuck like it. it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. It'll be an inside joke with you know, and so we did it, and like we put it on tap, and like again, we even though I mean it's not it's we don't do the things that make it milkshake IPA in the way that Tired Hands did. There's no green apple puree. There's no flour. There's no right. you know. Don't they use some um, vanilla as well? Isn't that like a key? Yeah. I, I feel like that's the difference between IPA with lactose and the milkshake is specifically vanilla. Of course, yeah. the I would puree, agree the that. pectin. Um, yeah, the flower only heard a couple. Like Bellwood said that they use that. That was the only ones I'd heard that yeah. admitted to it. Um, I, I believe in something that I had read or heard. I don't know if it was secondhand or not, but I, I, I I'm, do that. I'm quite certain the tired hands do do that. Um, it does make sense. And I would. and I think in there in the Bellwood's original, and that's why I have respect for Bellwood's doing mm-hmm. the way that because they, did, cause they right. did it the way that they did it, and they were one of the first ones in the market doing it like yeah. that. And then you know you have other breweries that are. Yeah, like even one of the, the beers that we did, it was an IPA with lactose, and we call it an IPA with lactose. 
um, and it shows up on on Untapped as a milkshake as a milkshake IPA, and I'm like, uh, uh, no. Did you wait, did you do it? No, no, because we weren't we weren't a verified Untapped uh, place. We just we just did it, right? Um, you know, and I it, it, you know I think there's a lot of value in Untapped. It was just something that we didn't. I guess I identify as something that we like wanted to do early on as small business, and you know, and there's a lot of value in controlling. I understand now that controlling the the narrative, the the narrative of what the beer is, and 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 we could have kind of avoided avoided that. Yeah, avoided that situation. Shitting on it because of no, no, nobody. Well, I I don't know. I don't. I don't read too much. Probably better not to. Yeah, Um, (laughs) but I, you know, I look at every once in a while just to see, but. no, it's just like I saw that, like that it was classified as a milkshake IPA, and I was like, "Well, that's not really what it is." And then if people are going to judge it based on that, then they're not judging it how it's like yeah. supposed to be, right? So, or how we intended it for it to be. We just wanted to. I mean, the whole be- like there wasn't even a ton of lactose in it. It was just maybe I the only. I mean, the tricky thing with lactose is that you kind of have to tell people that there's lactose in it yeah. because there's vegans lactose intolerant, of you course. know, people who are allergic to, to milk. Apart from that, I wouldn't have said that there's any lactose in it, no one would have known. Right. I mean, not no one would have known, but the vast majority of people, especially people who don't drink a lot of beers with lactose in it, wouldn't have known. You can taste lactose generally sure. in, in a beer, um, and especially when it's used in a, in, in a high concentration. But, yeah. um, but I mean, the average person drinking beer wouldn't have been able to tell. No. And it, it kind of did this weird thing where, like, the people who are, like, you know, the beer geekier kind of people, which I consider myself as as well, we're like, oh, I pay with lactose. Okay, I'm gonna try this. And yeah. then, like, the people who didn't know, like, we weren't super familiar with beer and, and weren't, like, as ingrained in, like, the culture of beer, we're like, lactose. Like, what's that? that? That's, like, weird. Yeah. I don't wanna drink, like, milk <laughs> in beer. It's like, did you it's put like, milk what? in the beer? And it was like, like kind of. Sort of, but not really. <laughs> yeah, you kind of forget. I was talking to someone the other day. No, we did a podcast, our friend's podcast in Philly, while we're in Philly. Mm-hmm. Our friend now is like a hip-hop park. We do hip-hop nice. stuff as well. So we and we have a social media agency and then this. So we went to talk about all those things. And then he was asking, oh, how did the beer thing come about? And I just started talking about beer and I sort of didn't. He was like, whoa, whoa, what did you just say? And I was like, and it wasn't anything crazy that because I'm so used to talking about this beer yeah, nerd shit yeah, that you yeah. forget that you start dropping these words about like, even if it's something as simple as ABV and people don't really like yeah. know that. And I yeah. was like, oh yeah. You just don't feel because I feel like you're so ingrained in it. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah, we, perspective. Yeah, we get, we get that all the time too, and it's like, yeah, there's the funny ones like we mentioned with the horchata, where like nobody would would what know because there, right? like you know it's not beer and, and it's, it's not, not a big like, in um in Canada. I feel yeah. like in Australia, I'm from I'm from Melbourne. There's a huge Spanish and South American population. Okay, nice. but I came here and there's hardly any Spanish restaurants. There's not doesn't seem to be a huge Latin culture. Yeah. So therefore, something like horchata would just not be as yeah. pervasive and yeah. culturally. Yeah, but like that, like that's kind of on the other side where it's not actually a beer term or, or anything like that. But but yeah. there's but there's a, yeah all the beer terms like even like lactose versus lacto and you know oh, lactobacillus yeah. <laughs> right like people will get that confused and like well the next one it's the veganism will have both yeah. but but yeah I mean people like it's like I, I mean I don't know the origin of you know the, the the wording of lacto or not but I mean I know like lactobacillus usually culture you know use a lot in, in, in yogurt as well which you know is a milk base maybe right. there's some kind of relation in the naming hmm. convention or not I don't know yeah. but but um, yeah I mean I, I don't know it, it's, I think it's just there's, it's yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know words that throw people off and, yeah. and understandably so because like if you're talking about something else like you know if yeah you, you go into a, a niche world like you know 
kombucha or something like that. Like there's That's a whole true. bunch of SCOBY. What the fuck's a SCOBY? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. found out the other day it's it's an acronym. Yeah, it's a society of or what is it a culture of yeast and bacteria or I, I had it bacteria and yeast yeah bacteria and yeast. like and there's whatever the s word symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast I think something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Yeah, yeah which is crazy and then you yeah. see them and it's disgusting oh yeah it looks like amazing. a fucking organ <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, that's so fucking gross yeah. um, so I guess being that you were like only two and a bit years old in an area that at the time wasn't uh, full of breweries whereas now there's that whole Toronto East are you guys part of that? yeah, Toronto yeah. East, yeah? Toronto East which is flexible. such a that's a whole other convo that's so smart um, I guess it probably would have been a lot of consumer education that yeah from the beginning like people like aside from the crazy shit like from the lacto lactose whatever but then there would have been so what's this double dry hop like even exactly. stuff that yeah. might be a little more simple what does that yeah. mean we get that what, all the time yeah. yeah so I guess it would have been a bit of a learning curve to get yeah people in and maybe there's some regulars who aren't even real beer nerds they just want a regular because they live there and then they had to come in they probably learnt over time like all these these words and yeah yeah I would say that um, yeah I think that was the one thing that kind of like we didn't understand from a business perspective opening up here on the east end too is that like there's a lot of people that love beer here on the east end of course there's a lot of people that love beer everywhere but it's about education educating like what we're doing why it's different why does it taste the way that it does all that kind of stuff that like you know the breweries that opened up on the east end already did that hard work bellwoods indie you know Reinhardt. they they are oh, the west end guys i'm oh, sorry yeah, on the yeah. on the west yeah, end yeah. yeah they they already did all that hard work heavy lifting like if we were to open up at that at that point on the west end you know again i'm like super happy being here on the east end i love this location there's no regrets or anything like that but it was just like understanding how like the education aspect is like from a I mean it's the same reason why Burger King opens up right next to a McDonald's kind of right. thing. well maybe not education element of it but like you, education of where that spot is and where like to go in, yeah, you know yeah. like or like why you know there's like 15 bars right next to each other and then like you're not going to open up a bar where there's you know somewhere else because people go to this area if yeah. they want to go out yeah. and they're not always going to go to this world. one or like why sometimes you, you know you'll know that like these three bars in this area are all owned by the same person or company or whatever and you're like well why would you own three in one location like wouldn't you want to own more in a bunch of different locations so you get but no it's because you're getting all the business from that location there and it's kind of like it's things you don't think about you know no I was reading this we have a client here that uh, like it's a popular restaurant chain yeah and I found a reddit thread about them like yesterday and they were talking they were like oh well why is there like all of these restaurants are the same thing basically the equivalent of like a burger situation yeah. why are they all in one and all these people are like what's this phenomenon here what's this video about and there's actually this like some sort of sociological like yeah. explanation as to why things congregate in one area because yeah. I guess it's the same thing it's like well because I don't know I was saying in Brampton there's like all these Indian jewelry places like six of them in one plaza like, yeah. why would you that seems a little even extra for that but it's like if you want that Indian jewelry well you're going to go there and if exactly. that store doesn't have it that one does and you could probably negotiate between them and stuff like that yeah so I guess that it makes more sense to me in the bar world kind of with food jewelry's a little bit too specific but yeah I guess it's a it's a yeah. whole thing yeah Which I is, mean you, you see all the carpet places all the same spot yeah. all the furniture places all the same spot yeah I mean it's kind of weird something you don't think about but yeah I mean when but, you're in business I guess you have to and I guess then something like the, the Toronto East thing which is like such a genius thing it's just coming together and leveraging each other's uh, I guess I don't know, followings and, and sort of 
connections and whatever and just helping each other sort of grow as a destination because yeah. people like you said though they want well everyone talks about here yeah, everything's walkable there's a whole bunch yeah. of brewery and when i came here i saw brandon at the time he was the head brewer at uh, or not the head brewer brewer at um, godspeed yeah godspeed yeah so i bumped into him here as well i'm like oh what happened he's like yeah it's where we come after work to have a drink and yep. like down the road my brother just lived down the road from godspeed which is just around the road from left field yep. and then eastbound's just up there and then he said radical road and then in thing you know, there's brunswick and uh, muddy york and there's yep. this whole like ecosystem within an, a greater ecosystem and just I like that the entrepreneurship that and no one was above it or whatever. I'm like yeah, man, let's yeah, let's just leverage. Yeah, we can. I gotta give, so smart. give a lot of credit to uh, the, the two Daves, Dave from Eastbound and Dave from Muddy York, that uh, they that, came up that, with it. That came together and they were talking and mm-hmm. and, and uh, they were like, yeah, I mean, there's now uh, oh, there were there were ten at the time and now okay. there's twelve, um, and uh, and yeah, it, it was. Um, it was something they were like, yeah, this is something, you know, let's, let's meet and we'll, we'll just start by meeting and we'll see what happens. And then, you know, then we started talking about doing events together and, and, and these kind of things. And now we're getting, you know, people reaching out from, you know, event venues in certain places. They're like, you know, it's easier for them because they can just be like, hey, I need, I'm setting up this event. I want some breweries at this event. I'm going to reach out to this one person. I can get 10 breweries come out, come out to this one event. And, and, you know, those kind of things. And then just like, any kind of like a <clears throat> charitable event that, w- that we're doing you know we've done things with um, Dixon Hall charity uh, we did their Dixon Licious and, and uh, uh, as well I'm joining some beer for that and you know we can kind of like give back to the community in a certain way that's you know that's a way for like all of us to kind of give a bigger impact because you know we get a lot of people come in like not come in but like they come to us and they're like can you donate some beer for, for this event and we're like Sure. Yeah, like, what do you what would you like? Like a case or two? Or, and they're like, uh, we need like fifteen cases of beer. And we're like, we're a uh, like, small yeah. brewery. That's like, a lot of money. We dude. like, I would love to donate to everything that we that we can. But like, ultimately, if we do, then we can't sell any of the beer that we make. We're just giving <laughs> it away. Yeah, yeah. And and so you know, I mean, it's hard. But then you know, if if we have ten you know breweries, you know, and we you know we it is it wouldn't be everything. But like you know if there's certain charities that, that we feel, you know, serious about and we want to donate to, um, everyone you know, checking the case. And yeah, enough. exactly. And, and, you know, and we can, and we can help <laughs> them out and it's not as much of a burden on us too. Mm. Um, and you know, so we can, you know, I think try to give back to the community and, and still like not to worry about whether we have enough beer to be able to, right. you know, make a living, keep our doors open <laughs> at the end of the day, you know? Oh, I love that. Uh, we were just in Virginia, doing a bunch of podcasts yeah. and we interviewed one of the bigger breweries out there and he was saying this is basically the same thing I don't know if y'all are doing this and I never considered it like this he was like what they're trying to do is he was trying to get a coalition of a bunch of breweries there and combine the purchasing power so basically be like say you got the Toronto East Brewing Collective and this is kind of for everyone because I think this is like a great tip and I was like this dude this fucking genius yeah. be like alright well he has he's the second largest brewery in Virginia so if he is, and he has the largest warehouse space, he's like, look, we're all buying grain from the same people. Yeah. And then maybe I'm getting it a bit cheaper because I'm buying more. And then these guys are paying more. But if we all came together and combined our order, then we get it for X dollars, you know, whatever. You yeah. get it significantly cheaper. Yeah. Instead of buying this many pallets of silver cans, we all want silver cans. Instead of paying 20 cents a can, we pay 5 cents a can. If we all yeah. put our orders in together, you can work, figure out the freight when it comes in. You can be like, all right, from the docks or whatever, 
split it up or bring it here and then you guys can come and figure out how to pick it up but we all save money yeah and all the raw materials that you're all going to be using hops you could probably even get bigger hop contracts if you combine yeah. together yeah be like all right, i need this i need this and then it's kind of even i know there's a camaraderie where it's like hey man do you have any columbus so I'm yeah. Like, yeah sweet i'll, I'll yeah. fix you up whatever and it's just like a nice like hey i'll help you out i'll trade you whatever like have you guys done anything like that or considered we haven't done anything on the on the ingredient side or anything like that in terms of like the the materials for like promoting obviously the collective itself we have like 10 pamphlets brochures all that kind of stuff of course um but it it is something that we had had kind of thought of it in in an equipment way like we we all um you know can quite a bit of of beer and not many of us have canning equipment so the thought right. maybe splitting a can up yeah leaving it in one place yeah. and then just like have a booking system where you're like hey i need it wednesday blah, blah, blah. yeah i mean the, the the hard thing about that is that like you know it it belongs to everyone collectively then you know how do you treat it what kind of beers can go through it does one brewery want to put mixed fermentation beers in? like there's a whole bunch of elements of that 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 that's that, true. that kind of tabled that a, a little bit for, for us specifically but but it was something that yeah we haven't really thought because because i mean all of us do like we talk with each other if we need some malt even even like you know short on yeast of a certain thing that we know that that we use something similar and you know um but yeah no i think i think that's something that we we definitely haven't haven't talked about but i think there's a lot of opportunity in that yeah. as well that uh yeah yeah it's still kind of i mean we're in we're, I think we're just past our first year of, of having a collective, so we're, we're kind of, yeah. I, I think we're just we're starting to like, yeah. Just I think understand how how the best way. Like we, we've we've talked about like the bigger bigger picture things of like, can we set up like a big, uh, like uh, beer event at Woodbine Park and you know have this ticketed event and all that and then like, okay, well all the risk that involves and in, like getting security and fencing and porta potties and all this stuff and okay. selling tickets and all that, you know, it's, it's one of the things that like, there's so much involved in just running our own businesses that like it, the time that it takes to be able to do like all that is a business. It's, it's, it's like those festivals are businesses in, in and of themselves really. So oh, like, yeah. I don't, yeah. um, so I don't yeah, do that. so I think, yeah, we're, we're just trying to figure out the best way to do that. But I, that is something that I think is, is, that could be uh, yeah we thought of you guys straight away yeah when we you said that I was like man that's genius yeah I mean I, I mean for us <clears> you know there's there's two main two main malt suppliers and I think people order generally from from both depending on because certain ones have their own contracts for, yes, for, yeah, for yeah. what it is um, the hops have me intrigued actually that's something I haven't thought about the malt yeah I mean the, the, the because well, the contract malt and then being right? able to select yeah and like the thing the thing for us that's like is this kind of like um, I would obviously love to be able to, to, to go to Yakima and select my own lots of hops, but we don't buy anywhere close to enough hops to be able to do that. Right. But if you combine um, 12 breweries, and yeah, maybe yeah. then you send a couple of you guys out and like head out in September or whatever and just be like, all right, we'll fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's it's something that like as long as people are I guess looking for the same thing within the, within those reason. hops. Oh well, yeah. I mean that like, too. Yeah, that's because true. you're selecting. Yeah, I mean that's the problem. Like you know, like if you're looking yeah, for like a tropical, more tropical mosaic, you're looking for like a more blueberry, like original mosaic kind of character. Like, yeah, I, maybe then if there's one representative from each place, I mean, you could see, and if it becomes a headache, and you're like, well, fuck this, but yeah. No, but I, I, I think, think I think there's, I, but I think there is a lot of I think there is a lot of opportunity in that. Yeah. But, but yeah, especially on the malt side because it's basically at that point it's basically same just thing, commodity. Right? Yeah. So and there's really only two suppliers. There's Barnell so. and um, 
Well, yeah, I mean here, yeah, there's 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 barn owl in, in Ontario, but it's, it's BSG and Country Malt that do the big supplier. For, oh, of, from like Germany, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, so well, even if it's something you can save a bit of bread on, yeah, like from everybody, yeah. like and if there's a way to make it work, like whoever has the largest facility or whatever to to keep stuff. I know there's, there's yeah. definitely some logistical things because I know that even just picturing all the breweries I'm aware of, none of the places are huge. As in, like, yeah. have all this crazy amount. Like, hey, man, yeah, I can leave all everyone's supply Where's right space, here. Yeah. Like, you'd probably have to do some logistical things yeah. right now. But I, I wouldn't want to speak for mm. Brunswick or Common Good, but I know they are the biggest oh, two. Oh, yeah, of course they are. Um, Brunswick, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but they do so much, like, so much through, uh, I mean, especially Brunswick to, to, has so much throughput on, on, on what they're brewing that, like... I don't know even as big as they are if they have space for you know the extra stuff well. even I mean, if it's like for an hour type yeah. of thing where like yeah. right, it just it gets dropped there guys will be here and make sure yeah. yeah something like that but yeah. um, oh, resonate I'd be curious yeah. to see no, if that, it, it is, it is something the first person I got to speak to about it yeah. it was only last week so like didn't even consider yeah it's something that we hadn't we hadn't considered either so it's yeah that's actually that's, yeah. that's a really good insight thanks Kev <laughs> hey it was really cool um, speaking of yeah, and that was, I was trying to look for a segue, but I just want to Speaking drink a lactose. Malt and, and hops. Malt and hops and, and making beer. So, this is the, um, I have my glasses on again, it's Hedonism. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And this is the Blackberry version. Yes. Nice. And it's a sour IPA. Yes. So, it's uh, we call it a sorbet sour IPA. So, Ooh. lactose again in this one. Yep. I swear not all of our beers have lactose in it, although, like, at this point, probably have. This, is, this is a lactose propaganda podcast <laughs> exactly, right now. Yeah. When you mentioned lactose, like, twice when we were doing the pop, this is working out very well. Exactly. And you didn't have any idea that uh, we're no, fans of it. No, so. no. Uh, we do follow the, the, the team the lactose. lactose. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, yeah. If you're doing like tag that, like my friend Nathan runs it generally, yeah. But like, if there's anything, tag us and we keep like posting about it. And nice. people seem to be coming along, like, yeah. At first, they were getting mad at it. I haven't <laughs> seen as many people kind of I'm like, oh man, I love the logo with the the, 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 sh- cow, the cow, like the cow. <laughs> so <Yeah>. dumb. There's <laughs> like David Buis, this guy just drew it, drew all our faces, and then someone's like, hey, you should put their heads on a cow, so we did it, and like. All right, well, like we have this team lactose thing, and then we've got other friends who hate it, so they're team no lactose, which is negative, so we don't deal with that. Exactly, yeah. And then we just made it, and I mean, it's not like it did super well, but a lot of people like seem to tag us and engage yeah. and stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But I guess it's a very, very niche. Yeah. And we're promoting the, 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 the positive of non fermentable sugars. Exactly. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Doesn't get nerdier. I'll, uh, I'll describe the beer, and then Please we think do. we can definitely talk. I, I would like to talk more about lactose, hey, to be honest. I'm very <laughs> but yeah, this is our hedonism. This is a blackberry sorbet sour IPA. So kettle soured IPA. Yep. Um, uh, after the kettle sour, bring it to boil, treat it like an IPA the rest of the way. Add a bunch of hops in the whirlpool, dry hop it, um, referment on blackberry puree. Six point nine percent. Playing it with the whole hedonism thing. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> not on purpose, actually. That was that was. Nice. Well. It started at six point five, and then one batch went a little higher, and then we're like, oh, let's keep it. Right, let's keep it going. <laughs> let's keep it going there. Um, and uh, and yeah, so it's not super. Uh, it's not super sour because of the lactose, but we don't like. We don't kill sour too strongly, but you still get that tart element. Basically, what we're trying to do here is try to recreate fruit juice as much as possible. So you have the tartness from the lactic acid that's like trying to mimic citric acid from the fruit um, obviously the fruit character itself from the puree um, the uh, at the bitterness from the, from the hops kind of mimic tannins tannins of the fruit as well mm-hmm. um, and yeah it's just kind of fruit juice basically. oh yeah cheers bro cheers nice I love black blackberry puree is the most like 
underrated uh, fruit. I think it doesn't get used enough. Yeah, we. Um, I think so. So the the pineapple, no, the passion fruit what? one that we did. Passion fruit. Um, Legend uh, was the was was I think the fourth or fifth one that we did, and that at that point was my favorite one. Uh, and then we did the blackberry next. I'm like, Jesus, this, this is, is like this the one. This right? is crazy. And we did a raspberry after Ooh. that, which is really nice. But I think the blackberry. I think this is the only one we've done a second time. Oh we, yeah, because it was that popular. It, because it was that popular, we also had an issue with getting the the boysenberry puree that we were looking for. Oh, yeah, boysenberry, one. Yeah, which you know, I'm I'm so excited to do it. I can't get that fucking puree but uh, boysenberry was always funny when I see it in beer in Australia it's a very very popular ice cream flavor for older people like my mum went she gets uh, boysenberry ice cream interesting. I never heard of it ever outside of ice cream in Australia and then coming here the first time recently like saw it in beer I'm like oh shit <laughs> but it was never really by itself it's like a complimentary yeah. fruit so I guess it's hard to get because they don't make a lot of it or it's popular yeah I don't know it might just be time of year because we were looking for it a couple months ago and it might just be time of year but we uh, we were able to get a little bit of it and we put it in one of the barrels with our collective unconscious uh, which is the next one that we'll try uh, with a different fruit um, but as I was putting it in I was, as I was kind of like tasting and tasting the beer I was like this beer tastes like pie filling it's such a like this one right now well no the the, the boysenberry the one. this one does kind of taste like pie no, filling as soon as you said that I'm like yeah yeah yeah. we we put so we, we do use vanilla in this as well vanilla um, okay. uh, like subtle so that technically you could actually call it a uh, milkshake IPA a sour milkshake IPA sour, oh a sour milk yeah, sour, sour milk IPA <laughs> that's, that's new sour milkshake IPA? yeah I don't know like you yeah. have you have like the, the cool thing with the with the lactose and the sour and then like the whole sour milk aspect of things going off sour, yeah. <laughs> sour milk like a maybe I'm thinking of just like the um, you know like probiotic drinks which yeah. is essentially like sour milk yeah yeah I mean like yogurt and all that yeah, yeah like well what, what's the thing called you know the in a, what's the one the pro K or something it's like those ones oh. that are like mad expensive and these little tiny yeah, things yeah, yeah, you yeah. rip it off shake it up like it's got like a billion bacteria yeah yeah CFU back, yeah 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 is that lacto or something that like stuff that. is sour I was like well it's like sour milk yeah it's actually quite nice I enjoy drinking those things yeah yeah I mean I think that element is 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 relatively you know it's like a familiar yeah familiar flavor yeah palette. flavor so it's not like, kind of like texture totally weird yeah but it doesn't I mean it, it doesn't like like yeah goopy like that but yeah I think you know like for this beer it's something that like it's weird because it's both like again the whole beer geek thing like lacto lactose fruit all that it's got it all um, and then it's weird because we'll just pour it for like people who are like I've never been here before like just give me something and we pour this beer and like in theory it would be just like the most crazy <laughs> thing they're like what the fuck is this like we don't like normally drink craft beer try experimental things whatever right. like hey this tastes like juice yeah. <laughs> and you're like okay yeah because like that's kind of what we were trying to do with this and you know it, it took a little time to like the first couple of batches to kind of figure out the right balance about how much sourness how much lactose and where to, where to fit that and I think you know it just I think it just works so well and I think I think that's one of those things that's kind of like now become a little bit more popular now lactose and lacto as a combo yeah. with, with fruit especially and uh, yeah when we put this beer out almost two years ago um I mean, I'm not sure if there was or wasn't, but I don't think there was any anything in Ontario that that, that had that combo at the time that I remember, anyways. 
Not Maybe anything now? that I had had. Now there is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Now, now there is. I meant two years ago when. Two years ago. Oh, oh, I can't even think of anything now. There's like a sour fruited IPA with lactose. There's there's been some. This is Maybe like. like I know Half Hours does does it now, and I mean, may, who knows? They might have they might have been doing it before we did. Um, I love all their stuff, mm. but I just you have to think of them because it is so unreachable. Yeah, it's, way, unless it's you're from, buying from from their from bottle shop. But I mean, I think they do really well with that. Which is no, they were one of those. I think they were the first one I heard of that were doing it. Yeah, it's yeah. such a great concept. I don't think any other product we don't have it in Quebec. Yeah, and I don't. Oh, you, you can't. You can't. You can't. Huh, so like you, you can do it I trade all the time yeah. and sometimes brew yeah, stuff the brew, from elsewhere oh, yeah, yeah. to there and we figured out now how to get it across borders and stuff because mm-hmm. before you couldn't and now there's like ways to do it like okay. things you write on there to get it across but yeah. as far as like legally if I went to like do you have an online store? we do yeah. so if I yeah. went to the Rorschach store you couldn't send it to me I would have to have it sent to somebody yeah. here and then either get them to forward it yeah. on which then ramps up the price and makes it because it's almost like I right, will I don't know how far is how far half hours on Earth is like four hours north of Toronto or something obscene like that. Yeah, it's like four hours northwest. Northwest, right? Yeah. It's up near Sudbury, well, for up near Sudbury ish. It's uh, it's like it, it's on north of Windsor. Way. It's like it's, it's oh, on north of Windsor. Like that yeah. Far. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, but like so it's really but far. north northeast of Windsor though. But like it's it's on gotcha. it's near um, Goderich, I think. I know that? Yeah. I drove there there once. A couple years ago, and yeah, just grabbed some stuff, and everything was like, and I love that, yeah, like so Killer. experimental, and they're, right. they're really good, but yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to find this. So, any, anytime I see their stuff on tap in Toronto, I always grab, you grab that, there. right? But, but yeah. it's smart because even if you think of like, all right, if you're gonna trade the the because sometimes it might be like if you're going from here to Vancouver and it's like you're doing a bunch, it might be 30, 40, 50 bucks, you're like, oh, fuck, that's a lot to yeah. pay, but it's a thousand dollar flight. That's plus true, everything yeah. else you're thinking yeah. like you're paying 50 bucks to get these beers yeah. like it's going to cost same deal with that like it's still going to cost you 50 bucks plus of gas maybe more plus the time yeah, four hours each there. way yeah. probably going to stay overnight unless that's a long ass day just to get yeah. a bunch of beer exactly yeah. so like the cost benefit analysis yeah. is certainly in weighted in, in favor of it but it just sort of hopefully they open up the borders I know there's some talk of that right yeah, now yeah I, I, I don't know if there's legislation that's that's tabled or not yeah. but I I know that I did hear the same thing that was talked about over the orders, and I don't know if that's going to be for mail for maybe. like brewery sales direct, or if it was like customer to customer, or like you can t- like customers can take it across. Because I know there was that issue with the, with the with New the, Brunswick guy, yeah, right, who was taking like <laughs> yeah, but he was he was taking he was pushing it, yeah, like he was taking like fifteen cases yeah, or something. Yeah, he filled yeah. up his car or yeah, whatever. Like yeah. I understand because it was cheaper in whatever yeah, province. Hey, it I was mean, in. you should be able to. Man, we do it all the time. Like, you know, yeah. you take, I brought stuff here, and take some back. That's yeah, it is. Like, exactly. Like, relax. Like, yeah. you're allowed to do it over the border. So, how, like, you're yeah. just going to say, what do you got? Like, family, there's no worries. Like, it's all just, you know, big government organizations that try to want to be able to control their prices. And, you know, it just sucks because, like, breweries are just something that is like, I mean, look, there's something to be said for, like, the, the allure of having to travel for beer. And I'm sure, you know, you clearly do as well. Yeah. And I enjoy doing that. And, part of that is going to places and getting beer like going to tired hands was like yeah you know, we went to the Vale and everything like yeah. all these places. I'm like fuck man it was beautiful it was so yeah. cool to finally see these places and soak it up and try a bunch and take some stuff to go um, but also at the same time I, you know even just within Canada I'm not even asking anyway it'd just be nice to not have to exactly yeah. like only get Ontario stuff when I come here or be able to get some stuff in Vancouver or whatever and then also for them because they have a, a company out there called Untapped not related to the app 
yeah. if you heard of them there's this no? girl Jake who works for them who always comes to all the festivals okay. and they basically bring all sort of Ontario and Quebec to Vancouver so oh. they have Blood Brothers and Bellwoods and like all sorts of stuff like that you should totally talk to her as well actually yeah um, she's a friend of ours she's great but they have it and it pisses me off because I see all these cool events and my friends so they, yeah they can just get I mean maybe they only get the flagships from each of them but they have access yeah. we don't we can't get twin sales or four winds or boombox superflux or none of that stuff yeah over here unless we trade or you go to a festival and then you get this much and you're already drunk yeah. type of thing yeah you don't remember so it. like it's a little uh, I really hope for the sake of one the growth of the brewery scene in Canada if you want to compare states has what 7,600 and we don't even have a thousand I yeah. think in the whole country yeah, yeah. I mean granted per, um, uh, yeah, population, population thank you wise is not different but just be nice to be able to like if you had excess stuff just like hey man here's my allocation for here and yeah just expand I don't know yeah no I mean I think there's so many you know yeah I mean I, I had the luxury of traveling across across the country to be able to try different breweries directly at the brewery um, and but now, I mean, I, it's, it's, you know, it's been, I've, you know, I was running this, this brewery. I haven't had a chance to it's do too much yeah. traveling. And, you know, I miss being able to, like, you know, just have something from, like, Four Winds or Brass Neck or whatever from, from Vancouver. And, yeah. like, it would be nice to be able to just be like, yeah, I mean, you're going to spend a little bit of money having beer shipped, you know, across the country. But still, it would be nice every once in a while just to be able to be like, hey, you know what? Give me 12 bottles of this, ship it across the country. Yeah. And, like... I'll Easy. pay 50 bucks and yeah. you know especially like some of the rare stuff and the sour stuff and, and all that you know like you know it would be nice to, to be able to to have the option of doing that yes without having to sort of have a friend exactly have a friend or do it like shady kind of like in the gray area that kind of stuff you know I mean te- yeah technically like yeah you could do it you just don't probably put I mean, you could just put these names. I've had breweries send the stuff to me with the labels and stickers and shit all over the box in Quebec. And I'm like, they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. But I don't think, cause it's not, I don't think it's overly policed. I think it's more just no. if it's a consistent thing and they do yeah. check your books and then well, I think, an yeah. order through an online store that goes there. I think that's going to be a problem. But yeah. if it was more like, I just e-transfer me the cash and then... It's it's like if you like download three songs online versus like you're downloading yeah. it and you're like <laughs> albums and albums and you're like exporting you great know, comparison. You know, totally. It's like you know like no they're not gonna fucking bust you up if you buy a beer here here and there. But no. like you know yeah I can see if you're consistently buying 15 cases of like butt <laughs> and taking it across the, the <laughs> border. They, okay, yeah, then they, they may bust use. you. You know that's the thing. That's the main thing because personal use only and it encourages the economy of the country yeah because like people uh, you know BC is getting tax dollars from somebody in Quebec yeah or whatever and you're not gonna it's not like if it was available that I would buy all of my beer from BC you know like, no of course not I would buy like 0.01% of my beer from BC it's <laughs> like not that, it's not gonna ruin nice the Ontario story. economy and there's no less tax dollars really percentage wise that are going to the government as a result so great point you which know, is the slightly provincial stuff but I think BC's 13% anyway if I'm not mistaken oh yeah from from you yeah, want to say phrase, provincial, just, but there's still the government yeah. will get their five or whatever it is. Yeah, I just meant from like uh, oh, from the excise sale. or oh, yeah, or like from the actual brewery tax. Same shit, no different. Yeah, yeah. it's all about so. making ease of access and just helping breweries grow. I just like this is not like you were talking about setting up and the lot. Li- excuse me, the licenses mm-hmm. and all of these things that are prohibitive to starting a business in alcohol and beer and manufacturing, whatever. Yeah, like, come on, man, let me sell it in however I want. Yeah. Like, Give me a break. I don't know. I hope that they're 
slowly and wake up to that countrywide nothing to do with provincial as much yeah yeah no I, I agree with that and I think you know like it, it's nice you know especially having spent some time in Alberta and BC and you know having private liquor stores there that like can select their own beers have make sure that it's fresh yeah. you know and control their own distribution in a certain way they can import stuff from the states that they wanted to or from yep. Europe or whatever and have their own selection that doesn't have to be the same selection that's in every store across the province yeah and and that. like and, and and it's beneficial and I think you know even like I don't know all the nuances in, in Quebec either but um, but you know the, the ability of like you know now we have grocery stores here but it's a little bit more heavily licensed but still like corner stores depaneur that kind of stuff just to be able to like control their own selection of yeah. at least local beers you know and then they can curate themselves and you know and then the small breweries don't have to sell you know pallets and pallets of beer going through like a big you know government organization whether they can keep up with that and maintain quality and all that doing that you know usually isn't the case Mm -hmm. and and but if you can say these are my 10 corner stores grocery stores whatever that i deal with and you know everyone can make their money government still gets their tax dollars you know, I don't see why people have this. easier access to beer. Yeah, and it's not, you know, the boogeyman of like the fifteen-year-old going to the corner store buying, you know, like uh, realize. Yeah. Also, like, fine. Then just say, hey, we can't sell like Budweiser at corner stores because that's the only thing that a fifteen-year-old is going to buy anyways. They're going to buy a twenty-five-dollar bottle of sour beer. No, no, no. They can't afford that shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The cheapest thing possible. We've all been there. Exactly. Yeah. It's so dumb. Like people aren't dying in Quebec. Like you can buy beer from seven a.m. to eleven p.m. every yeah. night yeah. in our building. We're in an apartment building. In the yeah. ground floor, there's a, a depaneur. Yeah. They don't sell craft at all. Yeah. But if I needed some Unibrew or something, yeah. or Saint Ambroise, yeah, that's there, and I could walk down in my pajamas and flip flops and cop my shit. Yeah, and it's fine. Exactly. Like, to 11 p.m. every night public holidays it doesn't matter and I think that's the one thing that's the nanny state like Australia's like that too it drives me crazy but here definitely needs that specialty beer store and even like we have beer clients in Quebec and here but the ones in Quebec are able to um, just go and sell like they've got you know they make individual relationships there's hundreds of stores that probably thousands across the province at least they can start out in Montreal go up to Gatineau they can go to Sherbrooke and go to Quebec City they got these different places that can slowly build and, and like get to them easy and just be able to not have to go through this whole headache. It's more just like you rock up and hey, I have a license, I'm contracting, or here's my uh, brewery, blah, blah, blah. And you just talk to people, make the relationship, bam, you can go through distributor if you want, you can self do it. Like it's just so simple. The yeah. only thing is that we have the restriction that we don't have anything outside of Quebec. Yeah. That's the one thing that does suck down. Yeah. Which I would like to see. Not, not to the detriment of course of the local industry like you said but it'd yeah. just be cool to have for the drinkers to be able to have access exactly. as well and then yeah. have the Quebec breweries instead of putting everything just there you can send a portion of that shipment elsewhere now and then all these other Canadians are there and they might get a taste of something and then be like man I need to go to Montreal now and then all of a sudden you've got beer tourism yeah because we could talk about it on the podcast we get people literally all over the world listening and maybe it'll encourage them but if they get to try the stuff especially yeah then it's a different game and it's at least within the country itself kind of more like the states where it seems a little more democratic with how they yeah. operate their uh, distro system yeah one of the things that I really you know I, I think you know there's a lot made about how, how Canada is behind the United States in some ways in terms of like the proliferation of craft beer and styles and like just just how widespread it is how many people are drinking craft beer and obviously you know for the most part although not 
exclusively, but it's 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 in a lot of the bigger cities and that kind of stuff. But still, um, you know, I don't think it's it's taste. I don't think that it's beer knowledge or anything of the American consumer that makes it, that makes it greater than the Canadian consumer. I think it's just the entrepreneurial you know opportunity in the states to be able to like you know set up a little craft beer store and you know craft beer and you can buy, bring the best craft beer from wherever you are and you can sell in your store and then people come to your store because you have the great selection and then you set up more locations and then it's just or you're the little brewery that you open up without having to wait for 12 months to be able to open up your brewery because you don't have the money so you can start really small people love your stuff you go quick you know like just that kind of stuff I think it makes it just easier it's just, it's just a greater curve I think I like we're just like lower on the curve because it's not as more it's not as exponential of a curve for us it's not like beer started like there's always this joke and I even like hear it here sometimes with people who haven't traveled as much in the states they're like oh, Canadian beer is so much better than American beer and I'm like no like the best Canadian beer is as good as the best American beer but like over over the course of like like averages you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the average Canadian beer is better than the average American beer. I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. It's probably about the same when you talk about averages. But, like, in terms of wh- when you, where you can buy it and how, how easy it is. And, like, that was the joke about when, like, it was just Budweiser and Coors and whatever, right? And then, like, yeah. theirs was, like, 4.5% beer and ours was, like, 5.5% oh, no, like, yeah, beer. American beer is like, weak. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was, like, that's, that was the old argument yeah. in like, the 90s. But you still, I still hear it every once in a while here really? at the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, Jesus. like, yeah, it, it's, but it's for people who haven't really traveled much and they haven't, like... Probably they not know craft. Probably. Yeah, and they don't know craft and, yeah. and all that. But, like, yeah, I, I just think that we're... Like, we started essentially in the same point. I mean, if anything, like, Prohibition in the States was a little bit more restrictive even than it was in, in Canada. You know, yeah. we, we started from the same point. They just got to where they are quicker than we did, and I think it's just because of how it's proliferated, really. And then the the, the opportunity. Yes. The, and the ability to expand at a more quicker rate. Not just expand for the sake of expansion, just to, to, to reach customers, to, to be able to, for people to try things. You know, it's yeah. just... I just think that it's, yeah, it, it, I, I just think that's that's why there's, there's a difference. That's why like that little brewery in small town America is getting a lineup at seven a.m. in the morning and sell out all their beer, you know, within a day and do that every, every week Sunday, you know, <laughs> week after week, you know, is because like just the the collective kind of consciousness of beer has gotten to that point there in the yeah. states. We didn't even think of it. While you were saying that, I was like, name one, I can think of maybe one, maybe two, independent Canadian nation, national breweries. Like you, like say the States in the 80s, you would have had Sierra Nevada. Yeah. Um, even shit like Oscar Blues, now um, New Belgium. Yeah. Probably coming more into the 90s, but yeah, you know, Yingling and stuff like that, that were in, that are independent, started independent, grew fast in their region and then expanded across the whole country and then later worldwide yeah like the number one answer for when we get to a lightning round uh, was like you're, you're the beer that was the gateway beer the number one answer in the states is Sierra Nevada Paleo yeah you know, the American brewers make sense so then you've had this one brewery to inspire all these people maybe someone like yourself like oh what the fuck is this yeah I'm, I'm in whatever Michigan and I had this beer from Cali and I'm like wow this is crazy it blew yeah. my mind whereas yeah. like here in Ontario, you're like the only re- points of reference you have are the ones you mentioned earlier with Mill Street, Amsterdam. I mean, you could then argue Bose, Steam Whistle. What else is national that isn't bought out? Nothing really. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. See, we don't have that. 
because of the obscene nanny-like uh, regulations and bureaucracy yeah. um, that hinder business. That's why people always said to me, uh, without being from Canada, that like Canada's more socialist in that way yeah. versus the capitalist of the states. And like even when you know I was just there for like whatever week and a bit, we're going back to Vermont on Thursday for some other stuff. So whenever I'm there, I'm always like, like I dare you to find a bar or a restaurant that doesn't have a great craft beer menu. Like, yeah. good luck finding one. Like, we went to a shitty... No, sorry. It was actually a great Chinese restaurant in Burlington that yeah. had Hetty. Yeah. I'm like, I'm drinking yeah. Hetty from the can with this crazy Chinese food. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. You can only get Singtao in Australia. That's all you can get. Yeah. Here, it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like, just the availability. Whereas, like, Toronto, in the, if I'm going to be fair, is and Ottawa, and I say Ontario, is getting a lot better. Yeah. The vast majority of places at least have a few craft options. Montreal has got such a long way to go with availability in a restaurant unless you go to like we're saying the fancy French stuff will have all Val and some of them have Hill Farmstead because it's close yeah things like that but for the most part it's like it's really just like it'd be all Belle Gale or all Saint Bloods which technically are independent but they're not like great stuff yeah it's not like it's a not yeah, like, yeah. so like I think it'll get there with the loosening of as you mentioned of those restrictions it just helps the whole people's pal- how are people's palates supposed to grow yeah they're not exposed to it exactly yeah I mean that's that's going back to you know just how I came about and, and we did as, as brewers and learning how to make but you had to travel and, exactly I mean, that's what it is but it's about trying right and that's exactly what you're saying like you know if you know maybe in, in you know in the states maybe that's part of part of it also is that like the accessibility is a lot greater so you don't actually have to travel as much to try these beers mm. you know possibly that's an element of it as well so like you don't actually have to spend that money and time traveling you can get you know even if, even just the trading element of it which is i mean a lot bigger now than it than it was like five years ago or so yeah. but but like even just the trading thing like everyone's just like it's something that i i like i guess i because when we even even a couple years ago it wasn't really as big as i, 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 think, I think as it is now so like i kind of somehow it it it, it escaped me I think a little bit like opening up this brewery and then as, as much time as here and, like and all that and like yeah. now you know like now like a lot of like you know because because I uh, we do a lot with um, Brew North is a homebrew shop uh, okay. next door Nick's a great guy uh, well he just around the corner and uh, and so we let some homebrewers kind of work with some barrels here and that kind of stuff and so I'm talking like I you know, we, we talk with a lot of homebrewers too now um, and, and I love that obviously because that's that's my background too but uh, but like you know they're talking about like trading all these beers and all this stuff and like they're trying all these beers that like I'm like man like fuck <laughs> like, like this like I used to like have to go all over the place to get these and, and still I think the experiencing the beer in the location and tap room and understanding all of that still there's a lot of value in that so much um, but still like you know like I, I, I there's there's one there's one great customer who comes in he's 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 uh he's part of our mug club as well and he's every once in a while he brings me a beer like he brought me a trillium beer he he, he nice. brought me a treehouse beer he brought me something from jackie o's and i'm like Jackie's oh shit beer. yeah uh, it's uh oil of aphrodite that i have that at home still yeah oh, nice it's so good yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and yeah and he uh and he was like yeah i'm just like trading and traveling and, all, and i'm like you feel like you Jesus. may be missing out a little bit. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to 
now get to the point where our beers have yeah, the value. Like, <laughs> and like, okay, well, I, I feel like try Treehouse. Okay, I'm going to trade a true serum for Treehouse. Yeah, you could. <laughs> I feel like because the thing is that when I noticed that, like, say if you go to Vermont, these people that have such high level access to all of these beers. Yeah. Like, for you and me here, yeah. we're like, yeah, what the fuck? But like for them, it's like, whatever, cool. I, I'm all my friends there because they Massachusetts are three hours away from say Burlington, yeah. area, right? So all the mass holes come up to there and they'll just trade they'll just do they're like yeah whatever man here take I, we did a podcast with a dude and we said yeah we hadn't tried treehouse like, oh yeah just gave us some after it's like it's nothing and we're like yo dude like <laughs> chill like and and for everyone now I feel like it's it's so like beer there's like this, my friend was with a beer karma or whatever and it's just like it just flows yeah yeah yeah, yeah so I, I feel like it's like yeah it's, it's, it's like it, it, that's a good part of the industry whether it's like no one's like greedy generally. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's all about yeah, sharing. People throw, like, like I've heard, yeah, people throw in like a beer for like, like you do your trade of what it is, but then you throw in another like I always thing do, no always, one, yeah. Yeah, and everyone seems yeah, to I do always that. Because like, people like us have shit lying around. You yeah. get stuff, right? Yeah. And, like, you're like, check them in, yeah, I'll appreciate that. I'm, I've had that, I'm good. Like Exactly, yeah. You know, and I think that level of like just beer, you want to share. People want yeah. to do that. I think that's, that's one of the things I think that's been the driving force from what I've seen anyways of the growth of some of those breweries as well the tree houses Trilliums Tired Hands to a certain degree when there's these lineups for the beers Monkeys, people walking fail, out yeah. and people walking out with like Fun. a dolly of like <laughs> yeah. eight flats I never understand that and because yeah, they probably just dropped $900 like they're trading them off for other shit too. so like how, much, how many like <laughs> I know, how two week old you can't yeah. drink that much exactly, like it's yeah. just not plausible yeah. even if you trade it there's going to be a time gap. Yeah. And then you're going to get those ones. Hopefully you're going to have to, like you said before, like drinking 15 beers a day to get through them all. Yeah. That's what they might have to be doing. Like it just always seems so redundant <laughs> yeah. to me. Hey, probably, you know what? Good luck. <laughs> if, if you can handle it, fuck good on you. Yeah. He's I mean, or they're just sharing it with all their friends or it's like a group of people that get together or whatever. Split it. I mean, that would make yeah. more sense actually. I don't, I mean, I have no idea. I'm just speculating, but like you see, like, I, I don't know. It was, I don't know. It was a friend who went down there or cause I, I, I went with you know Mohan and, and uh, a couple other guys from here down to Tree uh, Treehouse and Trillium down to Boston a couple of years ago. Nice. Yeah, it, it was a couple of years ago we went, but like we got lucky just based on the time of day. It was only like wasn't thirty place. people in front of us for a lineup, but like nine people who's been like all the way around the whole parking yeah, lot. Like the drone shots. Yeah, <laughs> and you like and everyone's walking out with like a whole trolley worth of beer, and you're like, you're like that's why I can't get any <sighs> fucking beer. I'm doing a full pack, dude. Like <laughs> they get. This is the interesting thing that's, like, something that I don't even know how you can even replicate it apart from either luck or just, like, right timing and whatever, which I guess is luck in the first place. But, like, and great beer, of course. I mean, that's that's a huge element of it. But, like, you know, to what, I mean, it's the whole, like, 80-20 rule or 90-10 rule. How much better can it really get? But, like, they are basically offloading the distribution of their beer Mm -hmm. At retail prices to their retail customers. Their retail customers are distributing their beer for them. Literally across the country. Across the country. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I thought about that. Um, Yeah, it's like... kind of genius. It's their own free distribution network. Right. Based on word of mouth. Right. And then has a secondary market value. Exactly. Like shoes and stuff. And it's not even like... There's no way to replicate that, though. Because, like, you can have the best beer and, you know... It's all about the hype. And I don't know, like, how many more hype breweries they are. Yeah. I mean, I, to some degree, maybe it's like timing starting so small that you create that hype and growing to the point where you can maintain it or like Hill Farms it to a certain degree, just like being so small and on the early start of it and making amazing beer 
and then like people lining up and then there's the hype about the line the line the and then people stuff. like line up for the sake of lining up and then it's also in the middle of nowhere so you have this whole experience and like mm. you know like it's, it's kind of like clearly a very unintended part of a, a, a not like a, of a business plan like you don't don't intentionally do that I think so really. um, now people I think are trying to intentionally do that and see if they can replicate it but to start I don't think that was ever an intention no um, I mean I've heard some some podcasts from from, from Sean Hill and I'd be like I, I thought I would sell like what $500 of, of like a beer of a week growlers and a week the, and yeah the bills and yeah and then that like then he's getting lineups and all that and like respect, he just doesn't I mean. care at all though he's just like yeah. fuck this well I mean yeah I mean if he's on his like you know, family's level. land and, and all that and now the expansion and all that and being the best rated the best brewery in the world you know you can kind of be like that and 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 like just focus on the beer because you know it's going to sell so it doesn't really matter you don't have to focus on as much I mean I'm sure he has to focus on selling and I'm sure he has sales guys and all that kind of stuff but you don't have to focus as much on like how do you get that beer in people's hands because mm. it's kind of the same element I mean people are distributing their beer for them to a certain degree as well yeah. Especially now they moved to cans and all that stuff, it's only going to be even greater that that beer is going to go across the country. So. And they, and they, he specifically speaking of him, he I noticed that he has a Vermont first sort of uh, distro strategy. Yeah, which so I respect. Make sure a lot. that like because you can go to any restaurant down there in yeah. Vermont, they'll have Edward at least. Yeah, or something. It always trips me out. I'm just like, please, like give me that. Because okay. like for me, it's still a big deal. Yeah, like, for Vermont trading, I had actually a brewery here. I was talking to another, like, both of them commented on a picture. It was like, dude who worked at a brewery in Vermont and a guy who owns a brewery here. And they were both talking about lagers. I'm like, oh, I'll send you some stuff. Send me. He's like, and I think the dude here didn't understand. He was like, yeah, I'll send you some lagers. Can you get me some Hill Farmstead? And I was like, oh, dude, that's just not a fair trade at all. No <laughs> disrespect, but it's Hill Farmstead. You can't just give him some local lagers. Yeah. The other dude was cool with it, though, because he just wanted lagers. He just went and got him some, like, a couple of growlers of Edward and some other stuff. Nice. And I orchestrated it for them I just couldn't believe he did it but for the Vermont so yeah let me do exactly yeah. <coughs> it's so funny to me it's such yeah. a strange sort of world yeah I mean I guess in, in some ways maybe like like I know Bell was this pretty well on the trading trading market or whatever they're the brewery like, that can, uh, non-Canadians know the most yeah like, I even had stuff I was just in Australia a few months ago and people knew him out there and stuff but it's because the Luke aggressively travels yeah and he's at every festival does collabs they're at the what's it called that's what S something Shelton Brothers yes so he's got yes, the that's, distro that's in the a, States that's a big element so they're out there everybody knows him like, like, I know yeah. my friend in Vermont I gotta go to on Thursday he's gonna ask me to get him some bells since I happen to be here yeah. so I'm like that's, that's all they know so always yeah. try and bring him someone out, something else but yeah oh, check this man like Bell yeah. is amazing of there's course, just yeah. a bunch of other things in the area that yeah no I mean I, I think the point more is that like is, even, even with Bellwoods there's not a ton of like when they do the Motley Crew and all that there's lineups but there's there's not a huge amount of time where there's lineups there you either you Milkshark back in yeah, the day but yeah. I think because they up their but, production yeah. now but now yeah. and then I was asking them why like what's up with the deal because it used to be so hard to get everything and it used to like stress me I think my brother lives here yeah. finally just up the road and he was like I was like dude can you please get like Milkshark for me and stuff and it used to have to be if you did not get there like half an hour before they open like it's done for yeah but then now you can go two days later and you're kind of still good yeah so I was like I wonder if the hype is dying or if there's diversifying because at the time there wasn't any hype aside from them at all but now I feel yeah. like so many breweries here are so that's what someone actually at Bellwoods told me that there's so many great breweries now in the area that people aren't flocking as much except for the real rare barrel yeah, stuff because yeah. Milkshake they got these huge ass fermenters they can make yeah. as much as they like but they can only make so much monthly because that takes whatever six exactly. to twelve yeah. months blah yeah. blah blah 
So it's an interesting sort of dynamic change or yeah. something like that. But the international branding is still yeah. no one else I've seen in Canada, period, has done anything like Bellwoods has. And it's just that relentless festival collaborative kind of cycle. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, and they've, they've done amazing work with that. Yeah, my only point with that was just that, like, like as a Ontario or Toronto, mostly beer consumer, although Ontario to a certain degree, you can drive drive there, transit there, whatever, and, like, pick up pretty much any of their offerings. And then, like, people around the world, like, you know, know there, and then, like, oh, I want to try their stuff, so right? Therefore it so has there's some trade, trade value, but it's, like... It's kind of that same thing, right? Like with like Hill Farmsick, is like you can drive there if you're in Vermont. If you're in Vermont, and you're like, okay, I can, I, it's accessible for me, you know, but it's not accessible for everyone else. And I think that's kind of thing, right? That's why the the trading element works so well because you're like, because I can go and I can buy, you know, whatever, like four packs of Milk Shark, like no, Witch Shark. Um, Wish, yeah. and, and and like, but that's still a really highly highly rated beer that people yeah. want to try, you know, any, any outside of, outside of the province, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. you can trade it and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's always yeah. interesting. Even this girl in Vermont um, who was working at a brewery, we met her like new on Instagram, and she was like, "Yeah, the first time I did my trade, I got someone the veil from Richmond, and then I traded for Hetty Top, and I was like." Hey, you had your top you used to have to line up for I'm talking four years ago yeah you used to have to go down there and line up at like Beverage Warehouse or go to the brewery or whatever now it's like a supermarket yeah like everywhere like it's the easiest thing to get I'm like you just try the veil for that like it just makes no sense to me but for her she couldn't get that exactly yeah and then that's just around the corner so she just pop in and grab whatever they have and they've always yeah. got some cans yeah so it's an interesting sort of like you said just yeah. ex- access in general so hopefully like if you want, I got a few very reliable. I got a friend in um, Vancouver who works for a liquor store, and I got another good friend who I do business with, and he always wants to trade, but I just have too much beer, and I just don't want to. Like, I just don't need to. So, if you do want your stuff from here, which therefore been in your favor, would they would cream? They'll lose their minds because all of these things is all exceptional. The beers are crazy, and uh, like they're the type of stuff that they would be after so you can yeah. very easily get some stuff with not a lot of effort and yeah. it's not that expensive like I trade we got I got one of these old um, a wine shipper box like a 12 wine off Craigslist some dude just I pulled up here and just gave me one uh, we gutted some of it out so you can fit two cans on top of each other okay on average if you have 14 to 16 beers in there and uh, probably costs 30 35 dollars that's not bad it's actually not bad it's surprising yeah. and it's quite a large box like you know, almost as big as a table type of thing. Sure. And it works pretty well. Safe and just cram some paper or bubble wrap in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice and easy. So, I mean, like, yeah, you could easily do, if you could be bothered dealing with that side of it, like, all right, I guess I'll pack it up and... Yeah, that'd be awesome. Whatever, yeah. you'd be able to get some Vancouver stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I... I yeah, I, I do miss quite a bit of that stuff out there. <laughs> there might just be a way for you to get stuff because I do I never really thought of like oh you're like oh man I'm working here all the time I don't get to try this shit like yeah. well, well that's a nice easy way for you to do it because you have access to fire our stuff probably some stuff you've got sitting around and then you've got your friends and other breweries if you wanted to mix it up for someone yeah. you could probably quite easily put together a, an incredible pack of beer for someone in Vancouver who would lose their mind over yeah so or anywhere else yeah it's a good Google point yeah. Chair, right so yeah. we'll talk afterwards yeah let's do this beer yeah for sure I still have this is going pretty good 140 we haven't got lightning around and I've still got two more larger questions for you nice uh, so this one is a uh, something different right this is the pineapple collective unconscious yes no, conscious not this okay so this is um, this is a beer that we started we have one of our of our tanks dedicated to mixed fermentation 
um, our house culture of wild decent bacteria, which we developed over a couple of years um, before we started the brewery. Um, now we we had, there's some lab strains in there. There's uh, we did a bunch of open capture experiments as well. We anything that would ferment smelled good. We would blend it into culture. We did a bunch of different fermentations. Yes. Took the best yeast um, uh, from the best batch. Took the yeast from the best batches and blended it together. And then we uh, the third batch of beer that we ever did here. Um, was the the start of the base of this, right. um, and and the beginnings were very touch and go. Uh, it was definitely very underpitched. Um, uh, there was definitely not enough yeast to start fermentation. Right. Very very slowly took off. Smelled like actual garbage <laughs> for a while, but we weren't even open yet. We had other tanks to to play with and. I was like, all right, well, we'll let it ride, see what happens. Normally, I was like, I think I should dump this, but uh, I got time. So uh, so we let it ride, and, like, after a month or two, it smelled a little bit less like garbage. Uh, <laughs> they were like, okay. That's what you want. Yeah. I was like, all right, all right okay, a little bit less like garbage. This, it's a step. I still don't need this tank right now because, you know, like, it was our first, second month being open. Like, we're not turned over beer like crazy so I'm like ah, I'll leave for another couple months right. and then slowly the garbage over time the garbage went away and this really nice like stone fruit funkiness came through nice. and uh, and then after like 8 or 10 months I was like fuck this is good um, and after a year we packaged the first like unfruited version um, and uh, it was just such a really really nice tart um, stone fruit just like really really well balanced um, beer and uh, and then uh, so what we did was our our brew house is ten hex our our fermenters are twenties mm-hmm. so we basically take ten hex either package it put it in barrels whatever and then we'll brew on top of it so we do kind of like a solera in yeah, the tank yeah, yeah. Um, so there's always like a portion of the beer that was the original the beer right um, that's cool that, that kind of like and it kind of helps aid in, in the fermentation and maturation going a little bit more quickly um, but also it kind of ensures that to a certain degree the same ratios of, of microorganisms and, and, and all that nice. you know ferment in, the, in, in those same ratios um, but yeah so we'll, so what we what we did after we packaged the first couple batches just unfruited we took those 10 hacks put it into four different uh, burgundy wine barrels nice. uh, on four different fruits um, so We've done, I think this is our third round of release. We've done like an apricot, strawberry, we did a stra- no, strawberries from this round, uh, cherry, mango, um, passion fruit, guava, a whole bunch of different nice. fruits, but this is the pineapple version of this it. This is your fave? Uh, of this round, this is my favorite, yes. Beautiful. Cheers, Cheers bro. Man, pineapple's the best. Yeah. It's so subtle. Oh, yeah, photo. Oh, yeah. yeah, it works so well with um, yeah. with like with funky stuff, right? Ledge. So this one, I know we've been sitting in the um, the uh, temperate climate for a bit. <laughs> yeah. it's, it feels like it's got a little bit more of like a malt kind of forward situation. Yeah, I mean, we use a lot of uh, a rye, oats, wheat, right? spelt in this. Um, I find that that little bit of maltiness comes through. That's actually like a caramel from the barrel itself. Okay. Yeah. I, I find anyways. Um, it, but, um, but yeah, I, I think that that comes through a little more, especially as it warms up. Um, yeah, we've lost a little it's carbon in, uh, having sat warm. Um, oh, it's still for a little while. Solid. Solid. 
but you still get like mm. yeah the, the amount of fruit we, we use about 100 pounds of fruit for uh, 200 liters of beer so it's, it's a pretty so high decent. fruit to beer ratio yeah. um, so even something like pineapple it's sort of a bit more of a smoother laid back kind of fruit yeah yeah it's uh, yeah it just it, it lets the base kind of shine through to it you know, to a large degree as well he gets a lot of that funkiness too um, but yeah I just uh, yeah I, I really like this this version of it and um, yeah there's the, we did a of the last round the blackberry was my favorite one again to the blackberry, blackberry. But, <laughs> kill them um, I think in the first round either the raspberry or the guava was, was, was my favorite but did you use the um, aseptic puree yeah, for for some of them, yeah. For yeah. some of them, we do use um, whole fruit puree. Um, some of them we use the aseptic puree, depending on what we can get in season and not. Okay, Since okay. it's only it's only the four barrels that we do, and we rotate it basically when it's ready. If we're out of season, we you know we get just have puree. to get the puree. If we can, we'll use the whole fruit. Nice. Um, for like hedonism and our clean side of beers, we use the aseptic puree right. um, pretty much exclusively. We have one time did a kiwi double. Double dry hop, double IPA with kiwi and lactose. Nice. Um, use um, kiwi fruit for that, like real stuff. Yeah, we use, but yeah, that was yeah, that was one that we we couldn't get an asymptomatic puree for because right. like that's not really a popular thing that people that should be with you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I love the uh, the aseptic guava is exceptional. Yeah, in a way, yeah. I like love that consistency. Whenever someone uses it, I'm like, oh, that's that. Yeah, it's frozen stuff, but it's not in not a bad way at all. I think it's brilliant. It's yeah, no, it comes through so strong. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We use that in the in one of the versions of the systematic uh, d- dessert lager that I mentioned, and like it just it came through so nicely. And that was, I think, after the horchata, the most popular one that we did. Was so it? no yeah. surprise. So I think yeah, the guava is yeah, kill it, it does really well. All right, the two questions. One was why Rorschach, and two, the name Rorschach, and two was the names of the beers. Yeah. So Rorschach, um, that was uh, we get we get a lot Rorschach, uh, Watchmen, Rorschach. Uh, if you're familiar with the graphic novel, the movie, all that. I know of the movie, but yeah. I haven't seen it. We get that a lot. Um, that's not the origin of. I do love that graphic novel, um, but that's that's not the the origin of it. Um, so Rorschach is the, uh, the ink blood ink test, test. and uh, yeah, Herman Rorschach came up with that. I think in the 30s. Um, and it was a way for him to diagnose like mental states and that kind of stuff. Um, I was we were we were just trying to come up with a name for this brewery. I think that was one of the hardest things that we did because we we really loved the beers that we were doing. We knew that they would do really well, um, but we didn't know what to call ourselves. And there's so many breweries out there that you know is. Like the you local, know, either like yeah, like, like Eastern Brewery, like yeah, or like river something or lake blah 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 (laughs) or animal this and you know and like you know I'm sure everyone has their ties to what it is and it's local stuff and all that but like we just we wanted to have something that kind of I don't know elevated it a little bit more it was maybe a little bit more kind of I don't know intuitive and deeper yeah yeah. and 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 what we try to do with the beers in the same way but um, that was the hardest thing like you know we try to kind of to the names a little bit we try not to play in that kind of punny name realm because I feel like this I, I love it it's hilarious but like it's just like there's so many breweries that are doing it and then like you know we just kind of wanted to differentiate ourselves from that yeah. um, so we were trying to think of something that was a little bit more elevated in a certain way and and uh, I remember 
we had had some years and I was just I guess a little bit buzzed and just looking at the top of of a of a beer and there was like this pattern on the top of it and it wasn't symmetrical or anything like that but for some reason my mind went to the Rorschach test and because I don't know maybe I saw like a butterfly or a heart or something like that in there and uh, and I was like oh that's interesting okay that's that's kind of cool and I didn't think of it really that much and then. Um, a couple weeks later I was sitting down with Chris and Mohan and they were like what are we going to name this and I, and I was like I had this idea the other day like Rorschach and then I kind of was thinking about it and like elaborating on it and be like well these ink blots mm. they have defined lines they're an entity you know that you can kind of quantify in a certain way um, but people see different things in the inkblot you know we don't want to take it to the extent where like you see a butterfly and you're sane and then you see like a demon and you're crazy right. you know that's not the point but it's more like people see different things within them um, and with a beer you can send a beer off to a lab you can quantify all the flavor and aroma compounds in a beer you can have what that beer tastes like on paper but everyone's going to perceive those concentrations of certain flavor active compounds in a different way mm. so you're going to taste the beer differently and and you know taking it to the next kind of step obviously some people will like certain things some people will not but some people taste stone fruit some people taste tropical fruit some people will taste pine and something more than others so that was kind of the idea is that like something that's an absolute entity en- entity can be perceived in different ways right um and we took it to the next next step in that like beer is subjective people like different things same with food whatever um and that was basically kind of the idea for the day nice. so yeah we just wanted to kind of be like yeah um you know people like different things and, and mm-hmm. we only so much we brew what we like we and we yeah. hope other people kind of share they our interpret it how they will yeah and then that leading into the names yeah so after hearing you explain that it kind of actually makes more sense almost like all the names sound like a like a diagnosis or some shit like they're like yeah i was saying before they're like nice alliteration multiple multi-syllable words that have meaning together and stuff like they might not be catchy like brandy type of thing but they really mean something and it's always like when you say that out loud I always found like oh that's like I remember like ordering when we came here I was like it was like oh it's almost like fun to say the name yeah. properly and stuff so how did that was, is that accurate did it come from kind of like a natural progression from the name it did yeah so we were when we were starting we were trying to figure out the best way for a naming convention of the, uh, of the beers because um yeah, we didn't want it to be completely random if we put this much thought into the, the actual naming of our brewery itself. And we were thinking like, okay, well, how do we start this? And actually, so, so um, our original general manager, his name was Ben. Um, he was the first person that we started working with when we were going to open up this brewery. He, him and I built half the, half the brewery here uh, in terms of like walls and all that kind of stuff um, and installed. Um, and we were first thinking about like, personalities to name the beer like we're trying to name beer after a personality and it was okay. it was too hard to, to do that in a certain way because you're just like this finite like trying to personify it. a beer but also mm-hmm. like then you're gonna have like 15 double dry hopped IPAs that are <laughs> like all the same in certain ways different obviously in their hop character and how they're perceived but like what if this is a little more stone fruit and this is a little more tropical fruit how, how different is it gonna be really right right um, so then we just kind of like moved more in towards of like the original first five names were like outdated psychological terms, things like truth serum, latent construct. Um, what was the other one? Uh, reductionism was just like, um, 
and God spot. These, those were like all outdated psychological terms. True serum was, was a cool one and it stuck and we loved that. And that one kind of like took off on its own, but kind of after that, we tried to move it just into general psychological terms and kind of states of mind and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, like feelings and, you know, so we, we've done IPAs that have been like enthrallment and rapture and, um, quantum leap and these kind of things that right. are just like yeah psychological terms that um i don't know in and um originally you know we're trying to obviously like kind of put put meaning in, in, into all the names in a certain degree i don't think i talked about the systematic sensitization about like no the, i was waiting to get to this to then get yeah. you just to talk to each beer yeah so like the like like the systematic desensitization was, was like the about lactose lager, lactose lager. Like, yeah um, it was like kind of a commentary on lactose creeping into every style of beer in a certain way because it's on trend and all that. And so we thought, okay, well, let's put lactose in the American light lager and see what happens. And then that was kind of like, yes, systematically we're desensitized to lactose. And, and you know, we, we maybe got a little heady with some of the names because like yeah. some of them are really hard to pronounce. We do an Imperial Stout uh, every year called Malevolent Benevolence. Oh, and, I saw that one. Like <laughs> the smallest one. And, and we have, we, we had, it, you know, still uh, there was one one server who who, uh, who I loved. Uh, she doesn't work with us anymore, but she uh, uh, she was she just couldn't pronounce the name, so she just called it Malevola Malevola, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And and I loved it, but I would realize also that like shit, maybe we can't be too crazy with these <laughs> names. So like we try to dial it back a little bit. So like True Serum, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit as well. Of, mm-hmm. um, and then Hedonism started, um, actually it was a beer that I had this idea of and I, I hadn't brewed yet. Um, and we were going to brew and the craft um, downtown, they were looking to put on a beer for uh, of ours um, and they wanted our systematic. Uh, and we're like, we have like three kegs left and they wanted to put it on for three months. So we're like, we can't really sell this beer to you. And they were like, okay. And then I was like, I have this idea. And I described the idea of hedonism to them. And then that version was the first version was a mango. Um, and they're like, awesome. And they're like, he was like, okay, I'm putting it on the menu. What's the name? And I was like, Fuck, I need to think of a name. This catchy <laughs> right and not now. fucking crazy. And uh, we just threw it out there like 15 minutes. And we came up with hedonism because like, you know, it's, it's a very indulgent beer. You know, there's, a, there's, there's basically everything in it, but it's well balanced. It's like you know, kind of like a pursuit of happiness in a certain way and right. like the ultimate pursuit of happiness of like the sweetness, tartness, fruitiness, all that. So I think that kind of name works pretty well. Um, and we've named other beers kind of in that, in that way and tried to like maybe not go over the top with it too much. Um, so like nostalgia, our grisette, which is kind of like the idea of you know, an like old world have, style yeah, being yeah, brought yeah. back kind of thing. And, so I mean, there's there's thought goes into every name, and sometimes I agonize about it too much. Sometimes I maybe like we had a, one of our beers that does really well is called Reverse Psychology. Um, it's an IPA, and uh, there was a suggestion from one of our um, one of our servers. Um, he made that recommendation, in, and uh, I was like, I don't even know like what I would name something like that, but I really like the name, so we just named one of our IPAs that, That's it. and it just sold really well. Really well. Uh, and there's a lot of galaxy hops in that beer, so obviously it's going to sell really well. well. <laughs> Can't get wrong with this. <laughs> yeah. um, so sometimes it's just kind of a shot in the dark. But yeah, for Collective Unconscious, um, that was a name that I came up with like really, really early, um, which is one of the longer ones, but that's the idea coming into 
maybe why sour beers are becoming more and more popular because like the idea is that this is like kind of collective consciousness like Freudian idea that like humanity has a collective consciousness um, and it's using it's like the Solera method so it's kind of like it's still taking from the same thing yeah we're pulling from the same idea as soon as you said and it then, I thought about that I was like yo that makes complete sense and, and also the, the kind of there's this like undercurrent of people like not realizing why they like sour beer and also the idea and understanding that before like you know, the 1800s all beer was sour to a certain degree it was at least a mixed culture beer that you know and and like this element of like like liking sour beers and not knowing why you like sour beers I feel like potentially is that like undercurrent of collective consciousness or like the collective unconscious that it's tapping into yeah. that you know is, is why sour beers are becoming more popular to a certain degree because mm-hmm. it's not something that makes sense necessarily yeah. like so people are now you know getting it but yeah like they got it all along yeah like they have to sort of realize but they yeah. consciously exactly yeah I like that yeah <laughs> that makes so much sense I love it I was just looking at the time so we've got we have to move the car in 20 minutes so what we have to do we're actually going to make the lightning round lightning how do you feel about that uh, absolutely normally we make the lightning round we always joke we call it the um, uh, molasses round because it takes fucking forever <laughs> um, so a bunch of supposed to be rapid fire questions first thing that comes to mind okay uh, guilty pleasure beer be, be embarrassed to admit to a beer nerd you like oh fuck uh I don't know if Miller High Life counts as that, that counts. but sure. Champagne of beers. Yeah. Good one. I haven't had that for a while. I'm going to try that again. Yeah. Um, the opposite. B would decline under any circumstance. B would decline. Oh, fuck. Go to a barbecue. You didn't have any truth serum. And you're like, <laughs> um, anything you hate? You know what? I mean, I like beer in general. <laughs> like, I wouldn't drink PBR if you paid me. type of thing. I hate people. Yeah, I'm trying to think of which one I which which one I wouldn't drink. You could could also be a style as well if, if that's easier. You know what? Yes, anything with jalapenos in it, like no, no, a, it. an overpowering jalapeno character. Okay. That's that's one. That Just I like spicy. I, 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 I like certain elements of spice in a in, in a heavy dark beer, but yes, anything that's spicy, I just. For whatever yeah. reason, that's the only kind of style of beer that I've ever really not really messed with. No, keep it to food. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I love spicy food though. It's yeah. weird because I love spicy things. Just not in it's beer. Just, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I love it. Uh, gateway beer, beer that got you into craft. See, I would have said Sierra Nevada at first. We talked about this earlier, yes. and it was one of them, but also Stone IPA was one as well. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, because you were traveling so much. So I was traveling a lot, and my dad used to travel a lot as well, actually, uh, for his work. He was a chemist. Uh, he worked for the Ministry of Ontario. Uh, he did a lot of conferences around and used to go, and like Stone was one that he brought back. He was always he was always big on Stone. Right. And ironically now, I maybe stone is one that I would say that I, I would pass up because it's so bitter right uh, but it was Bless a gateway you. one for me right no I respect that I haven't had that for a while either, but I do recall that being amazing yeah. uh, favorite and least favorite beer styles ah uh, favorite oh that's hard because it depends on my mood I would say like normally like what's your go to style yeah beer? like here after I'm done brewing done a shift whatever uh, I'll go to our Mexican lager our pilsner um, yeah. just like just because it's like easy refreshing whatever but if I'm going to like a beer bar or something it's probably going to be an IPA yeah um, or a cool sour nice. usually nice. but but like if I'm going to drink it on a like a lot of it it's going to be like a pills. pills or, or, the or my, like I love the Mexican lager. I love our Mexican lager it's really nice what's that called? Uh, 
Reminiscence. Reminiscence. <laughs> Put you on the spot, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's the lightning round. Right uh, okay. <laughs> least I switch your beard. Yeah. Uh, least favorite beer style then. So maybe you don't hate it, but yeah. maybe just one you would. Yeah. Least maybe favorite. Maybe the jalapeno stuff. If that's it, or yeah, it's... jalapeno stuff. Uh, anything that has a ton of caramel malt in it. Yeah. Like anything that's super malt. Kind of yeah. Stuff. Like I, I do like ESPs if, if they're well balanced and there's more of the floral character than they than, than the caramel. But that like a heavy scotch ale something. That, make, that comes up a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite be a city, destination, or country? Being someone that's traveled a bunch. Oh fuck! Damn. It could even be a place you want to go to as well. If there's nothing yeah. that comes to mind. Oh, there's so many. Um, All right. You know, I did a really, really cool trip in California where I started out in uh, San Diego and drove up to. Yeah. I drove up to San Francisco and hit up like all the awesome breweries in that way and there's so many more that I would like to try now that have opened up since so maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll say that I was, uh, it was actually a really fun experience I had a bunch of points from work and I uh, I rented a Mustang convertible and drove up Highway 1 nice all the way so, up to like LA yeah, and all stuff the, yeah, yeah all the way through LA up to, up to San Francisco that's so sick. you know I'll, I'll say that that's great love that uh, first beer you ever brewed I think you said it was the yeah. Pliny clone that was the yeah. Pliny clone that turned out great and then everything else turned out shit <laughs> <laughs> um, and your favorite and least favorite styles to brew ah my least favorite style to brew is our hedonism it's a fucking pain in the ass kettle sours anything I fucking hate brewing kettle sours <laughs> uh, it's worth it but it's annoying it's worth it but fucking annoying <laughs> um, favorite style to brew uh, any I don't know our, our saison our saison because I, I can knock it out quick because I knock right. it out at a higher temp so we did a double brew of our god spot yesterday and it, it, it went pretty quick nice so, and easy yeah, it's nice. that's a good one <laughs> um, worst beer you've ever made ah whether home brew or yeah fashion. yeah no this would be a home brew one it was the first time I was playing no second time I was playing around with kettle souring um, I uh, I added the lacto I don't think I I didn't boil I I mean, this was like years, 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 years ago. I didn't boil it before adding the lacto. I used lacto that was cultured off grain, so there's a bunch right. of other shit on it. Um, and uh, it clearly started to ferment. Um, it tasted uh, kind of like Parmesan cheese. Um, Yum. And uh, I put Brett in it to try to clear it up. Didn't really clear it up. Um, funny is that, actually, it tasted kind of like stone fruit but it smelt so much like parmesan cheese that it was couldn't do it gross. like yeah. durian maybe yeah yeah it was it was it was bad that was probably the best uh, the, sorry the, the worst, worst, one. worst one that's the best beer that's I've not ever bad. That's the not bad. Um, uh, but yeah no it was it was not great it could have been worse though I mean, did you dump it uh, no actually I had some I had some friends who uh, you know, like, who didn't really care what they were drinking and they wanted it so I was like fuck it I'd rather so have then, you get drunk than me then, dump down the drain right there you go at least it works yeah um, what music do you listen to when you brew Oh, that really depends. Um, Could be podcast too, I guess. Yeah, I actually uh, I was listening to a lot of TED talks yesterday while I was while I was yes. brewing. Um, but normally, normally it's just like some kind of indie playlist that I put on, something like that. Yeah, you know, it changes up. Depends on my mood. Depends on how angry I am. Depends <laughs> if I'm doing a kettle sour or not. <laughs> What's the kettle sour music like? Is that like metal? Like yeah. Norwegian death metal. Norwegian death metal. Yeah. Yeah. Norwegian death metal. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite hop? Galaxy. 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 Yeah. Key. Yeah. Uh, what does your family think of what you do? Uh, they're quite supportive. My dad actually, um, he was always into beer. He was a big inspiration for me into, into getting into beer. When I went into chemical engineering, before I had graduated, before I even started brewing, um, you know, in a kind of in a in a nice 
intentional way, but obviously maybe not from the craft beer perspective. He was like, oh, you're doing chemical engineering. You know, you could work for one of the big breweries. You could work for Molson. And, all that. and I was like, oh, that would be cool. That would be cool to work for a brewery, you know. And, and right. You know, to kind of put the idea in your head. Yeah. And now, like, 10 years later, you know, all this that's definitely not Molson. But, <laughs> definitely not. But, but yeah, that was, you know, yeah, that was, yeah, I, they're, they're very supportive. That's dope. They're, they're very I guess he loves the uh, unlimited beer. He access. does, yeah. yeah, and he he helps out now. He's he's retired, so he helps out uh, bottling days and that kind Sick. of stuff. So you know, it's, it's nice to be able to work with family him. thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, last one. What's your favorite adjunct? And we know the answer to this. <laughs> yeah, lactose. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I also love corn and rice, actually. Okay. What yeah. do you love more though? <laughs> well, obvious. it's in half of our beers, so of course, like so I'm saying, corn and rice is a good answer. <laughs> yeah, I feel like rice is sort of undersold, particularly after the uh, the Bud Light or whatever it was thing recently. Yeah, yeah. They said they what do they have? Which whatever they said that they were saying proudly they, having rice. rice. It was rice, right? Yeah, they oh. use rice, and everyone else uses corn. I right, guess. and they're trying to say that they yeah. were superior. But uh, you know, but oats count as an adjunct too. I, I feel like oats, I just yeah, generally good. love adjuncts compared to base malt, apparently, because there's a fuck ton of oats in most of our beers, also. Right, <laughs> it's more fun that way. Exactly, perfect, man. That was great, dude. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You so much. Yeah, that was like lengthy. That was like over two hours. Oh fuck, flew by. Jesus, right? So <laughs> happens when you're having fun. Yeah. Um, where can everyone find Rorschach in person and online? Yeah, so in person, we're here on the east end of Toronto. What's um, the address? 1001 Eastern Avenue. We're at Eastern and Coxwell, basically nice. Queen and Coxwell um, intersection close to that. Uh, we have a bottle shop here, obviously tap room here. Um, we're in a bunch of bars and restaurants around Toronto. Nice. We've got some reach into Guelph, Kitchener, Waterloo. Oh, yeah. Um, a little bit Newmarket, a um, little bit London um, on draft. Uh, we are in the process of getting our Mexican lager in the LCBO. Nice. Well, actually. So. That's a good look. Yeah. Amazing. And what's the social on the website? It is at Rorschach Beer, I on believe, the... both Instagram and Twitter. It sounds familiar, yes. Uh, yes. I'm pretty sure it's at Rorschach Beer and Facebook, just Rorschach Brewing. Perfect. And the website is rorschachbrewing.com. Perfect. Make sure you yes. check it out. Yes. Um, so come by, guys. Check it out. Appreciate it, bro. Awesome. So thank you so guys much. for watching, mate. Smash the thumbs up if you enjoyed. Hit the uh, subscribe button below. Hit the notification bell so you know it was good. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. Check out the long form audio so you can hear extremely attractive gentlemen who love lactose like Matthew <laughs> right here. Um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, all that good stuff. Wow, it was a good timing. Good timing. Um, that's it, guys. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.